All right. Well, uh, hi there, everybody. How's it What's going? What's up, chat? Hey. Did that for you. Just <laughs> yeah, for this, you. Is, this is one of those days. You got to you gotta take a, a, a nice sip of your drink because mm -hmm. we're in for a nice long one. We're going to talk about some stuff. Main thing being uh, Dr. Sleep, the director's cut from, uh, was it Mike Flanagan? Mike Flanagan. Yeah. A very, very talented guy. Um, yeah, really, one really of the, smart, smart, intelligent. Yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, he's he's done a lot of cool horror content. He's got some shows on Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, he had adapted another Stephen King. I think it was like a short story called mm -hmm. Gerald's Game. And this was like the big one, right? Doing Doctor Sleep, doing a sequel to The Shining, um, bringing back a lot of those same characters in the same universe. So, yeah, this was like a really big deal. Um, but yeah, first off, we wanted to talk a little bit about kind of what's going on in the film world in our world and yeah. how uh, things, the dream is collapsing. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, at, at first you, you want to say like, Oh, you know, don't, don't let your dreams be dreams. Just do it. Thank you, Shia. But uh, yeah. there are some realities and uh, we just learned, I mean, whatever the world just learned that, you know, we might be seeing what 500 theaters shut down very soon or by the end of this year. So that's not good. <laughs> yeah. So I think the company is called Cineworld. They run a bunch of different. So like, I think I believe, I don't, I'm not sure if it's Cineworld runs all of them in Canada or like the vast majority. Uh, I think and it's they, them. The UK as well, or the Europe yeah. in general. Yeah. In Europe. Yeah. So they run a lot of them. And in, in America, part of what they run is, was it Regal? Regal. Yeah. So they're, yeah, they're shutting down because, um, no Time to Die, the newest James Bond film and the last film of the Daniel Craig era, uh, moved to 2021. So I, I think exhibitors are getting the sense that there's going to be basically no big films. You're probably going to see Dune and Wonder Woman move again. Mm -hmm. They're just going to have to because otherwise it's financial suicide. Right. I was going to ask, like, what's left on the 2020 slate? Those are the only two I could think of. Those are the only two I can think of as well. Like there might big, be some. Oh, the other one would be Soul, but Soul is another one where we feel like it's probably going to move. Soul's probably just going to squeeze its way onto Disney Plus. Yeah, uh, it, they. Um, yeah, I, I think they're they. What they are trying to do with that one is get as many awards as they can. Uh, so yeah, it is it is possible. They, no, for real. And so they they had released it in some big festival. It's already getting mm -hmm. a lot of buzz. So I, I I think that's what they want. They want to make sure that it's released within the awards window the parameters now mm -hmm. so like when that is is sort of up for debate i think that basically would mean between november and probably february or january i mean it's fine they right. could do the netflix thing where they'll put it in like whatever the yeah. bare minimum number of theaters are wherever right in the country it doesn't really matter at this point and then i i don't see a reason for them not to do like a 30 dollar mulan soul release because like clearly that's been working so yeah i'm not sure um I it just it's just like what are your good options though right if, if it's a twenty none of this is ideal yeah yeah nothing's ideal in terms of twenty twenty for a big temple two hundred million dollar film yeah you don't have a lot of great options so that might be what they're stuck with but I would not be surprised to see that delayed as well mm -hmm, until mm -hmm. twenty twenty one so yeah uh, the outlook is bad very grim um, <laughs> but I guess I guess you'll be able to whatever theaters are open you'll see Tenant for. You know, another four uh, months, five months or something. Exactly. And as long as the theaters themselves don't collapse or get <laughs> closed down. Yeah. yeah Go bankrupt. Shutter. Yeah. yeah. 
You'll get to see Tenet and uh, that one Russell Crowe movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and if you if you feel like it, you can watch you can watch New Mutants. If you feel like it. <laughs> Don't feel obligated. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, new mutants. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I don't think I don't think there's really going to be much else coming out the rest of the year. At least not a big film. Yeah. They've all just run away. Yeah. They've all run away. Because yeah, the other thing too. So um, it was they also did another delay on um, Black Widow. Oh. Okay. So the whole MCU timeline got shifted back pretty much like a whole. I guess you could say like calendar. So they, they had like, Oh, um, so back when it was supposed to come out in May, uh, Eternals was supposed to come out in November and they've just shifted those all to the next year. Mm, I see. Well, for them, that's probably helpful in a, in a weird way because they have more time to plan like what production is going to look like for the next slate or whatever. So that's probably a good thing, but you know, no one's happy that they're just losing money. Yeah, no one's happy. I mean, the, the other thing, too, is, like, they haven't even finished a lot of their um, their TV shows. So they were supposed mm-hmm. to be done with, like, yeah. uh, WandaVision and uh, the Winter Soldier and whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're not done with those either. I mean, I've heard rumors that they're going to do, like, half and half, half this year, half next year. But, again, they're behind. Like, everyone's yeah. behind. And it just, it, just, it just screwed everything up. So, mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much 2020 has delayed any big release by a year or like a full calendar year pretty much. Yeah. At least, yeah. yeah. Um, I was telling Ibrahim like the gold, the, the one to watch I think is fast nine because whatever that one does uh, everything else, they're, they're, they're like, pre- they preemptively moved, you know, six or seven months before everybody else moved out of the year. So uh, James Bond moved and then now fast and furious moved again, only about two months uh, out, but still, uh, I feel like whoever's in charge of maybe that universal slate has got their finger on the pulse and they uh, they know something we don't in terms of when would be a good time to put these things in theaters because um, they, they keep moving that one. That's like their their key kind of playing piece, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. yeah, that is. I mean, that's what Universal has, right? Like that's Pretty their much. biggest franchise. Mm-hmm. I, I saw um, someone was talking about Dr. Fauci had said that it's going to take basically until the end of next year before people can go into a theater without a mask. So even yeah yeah so even if and when things come back when there is a vaccine at some point next year there's still we're not going to be back to normal for even longer. Mhm. So yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean and just and buckle in. if you yeah, if you really I mean if you add another 12 months to this or however long 500 theaters shutting down right now after, you know, 9 months of this uh or 9 or Eight months of this, that just means that if you add another year to it, we're probably going to see more theater shut down and more things like this happen. So uh, pretty grim outlook today, man. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. You just have to wonder, you know, what's going to happen? Are they going to, you know, could theaters be bailed out? Could they receive some kind of extra loans from the government? Like, yeah, I mean, it, it's you know, not all doom and gloom. I mean, theaters is one thing, uh, obviously, they've pivoted as much as they possibly could with streaming and premium VOD and things like that, but they're not releasing those numbers because they don't have to. So we don't really know if that's actually a good alternative or if everybody's just pretending and they're like, Oh no, this is great. Ah, oh, we love selling you trolls too yeah. for 20 bucks or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting at least, uh, to see Ex- exhibition is just whack, completely out of whack, but it looks like production is 
resuming on a lot of these things, but then they're kind of just like, for for what really? Because like, if you're making the Batman, for example, uh, you might be starting to realize that's not going to come out in theaters, or at least not go out like the wide release of that movie is not going to be what you thought it was when you greenlit it, you know, two years ago or whatever. So, uh, who knows? Yeah, yeah be interesting. Because when you again, when you make a hundred fifty, two hundred million dollar movie, you gotta get it into theaters worldwide to make yeah. a profit on it. Yeah, 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 that's just the end of the debate. That's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. Who knows what the future is gonna be? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I suspect at the end of twenty twenty two, I think things will be more normal. Sure, but that's a long ways away. That's a long ways away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for now, the next year and a half may not be great. Oh man, it's, it's the the next uh, the next month is gonna be is gonna be a wacky one <laughs> for us at least. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. uh, speaking of box office, so this uh, film, Doctor Sleep, did not do well. Unfortunately, we're gonna we're gonna take it back to a, 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 a much simpler time, a much better time, 2019. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the when namesake came out. <laughs> exactly, the namesake of the great almighty uh, COVID nineteen, uh, twenty nineteen. Back when movies came out in theaters, I was telling Ibrahim earlier. Uh, I watched some of the behind the scenes B roll from this movie, and I was like panicking, and I was just like, "Why is nobody wearing P like? There's no PPE, there's no masks. Like, how is everybody hugging on set? This is so weird." And then I was like, "Wait a minute, the before times. This was shot two years ago. Yeah. Okay." <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I I suspect. That a lot of on like even after this is over, a lot of onset behavior might change a little bit. I've already seen it change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's ooh. people are, people don't want to. Well, it's not so. It's not a, entirely true. Like I've, most people are kind of like they'll follow the rules and then they they still want to like interact the same way that they have been. But the people who are enforcing the stuff are like really strict about it because if anything were to go wrong, then they would fall on them and then they would lose their licenses. Blah 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 yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah. Um. So right now it's kind of like uh, like we're all a bunch of school children and they're just like ugh the teachers over there like going on and on about this PPE stuff but like really we're okay if we're like in the side room you know building something um, but who knows what it's gonna look like going forward like especially for a big production you know oh, like big I'm production. Sure I, oh. there's no way like everyone is just <laughs> fucking depressed <laughs> big production like you're gonna have someone there I bet you every crew will have a dedicated like person for you know making sure people yeah. are healthy like washing like washing their hands and yeah well, um, they already have those but if, you know. they're probably gonna have even more of those for those bigger yeah, ones. yeah yeah well they're gonna they're gonna be like on you on people like yeah. in the crew like they're gonna yeah. be on people like before eh, whatever um because i i just i i think i forget who it was but i think it was chloe zhao it was some big production uh, where right around like February, March, uh, the the director got got COVID. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this was like before like the world was oh. on fire. Mm -hmm. So and that just totally shut it down, right? Yeah. So just think about like how people are gonna have to interact because you got to thinking like, look, if if even if I'm doing whatever, if I get sick and I'm like a high level like a producer. The a, if the AD got sick, Yo, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You want because... to talk about just destroying your 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 shoot? Your AD gets gets whatever COVID yeah. or so or the flu. Yeah, and then you have <laughs> to you have to sit there with a the calculator, and be like, who have they been in contact with? As opposed to just kind of you know them being able to do their job is just like, well, shit. Now we have to quarantine everybody yeah. and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, things are going to change for sure. Yeah. Um, but Dr. Yeah. Sleep was fine. It went smooth. It came out all right. Yeah, I mean, no one saw it, unfortunately. I think they should have. It was a pretty cool experience. Um, yeah, I got to see it. I got to see it at IMAX, which was insane. I'm happy for you, but uh, <laughs> you you know me, and whoever's watched more than one of these probably knows that I have gen- generally like pretty cynical takes on these on, on this stuff, especially on big name. Uh, big studio films. So when I heard that they were doing a sequel to, so first things first, I guess I should say is that I don't know anything about Stephen King. I don't follow his work other than, you know, what's in the movies, you know, the, the honestly, like if it weren't for the Frank Darabont movies in the nineties and two thousands, like I probably wouldn't even give a shit about Stephen King. Um, it's just not my kind of, it's not my cup of tea. It's not my thing. Uh, in general, he's just like a little too fantastic for me. So I didn't know that he had written a sequel to the shining, uh, and so I just heard Warner Brothers is doing a sequel to The Shining, and that was it. And I was just like, "Well, they can fucking yeah, they yeah, can, yeah. They can have it. I'm, I don't, I don't need to see it." So then, then that, I that saw that like a like a cash grab. It was like 100%. The Shining Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's like, oh, oh you're gonna do yeah, oh, you're gonna do the Danny Torrance thing. Oh, you casted Ewan McGregor. Oh, you're so fucking cool. <laughs> so that's why I didn't go see it. But then as soon as it came out, I, I read all these great things about it, and I did a little more research on it, and then I saw that nobody went to see it as well. <clears throat> so I felt a little bit better about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. It did not do well, unfortunately. Um, I, I, you know, that's a really good question as to why it didn't do well. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. talked about that. Mm-hmm. I feel like you probably need to, in the title, say the 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 term "The Shining." It probably should have been "The Shining," Doctor Sleep. I don't uh, know. I I don't know if that would have pissed off even more people. Though. Well, I think it probably. I don't know. I I I think it's an interesting question to have. I don't know if it would yeah. piss off people because at least people know The Shining. Yeah. So. That's you know, true. I'm sh- I'm sure there there's a bunch of people who would be like, yeah, f that, this is a cash grab. Yeah. Um, and because again, I'm, the, I'm, yeah, sorry, sorry, you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, because I think at least people know The Shining, but Doctor Sleep, like, what what does that what does that mean? That's right? what I was gonna say. Like, I'm not a literary <laughs> genius, so like, I'm not good with titles or anything. But Doctor Sleep to me is not a good title. <laughs> just yeah, just someone, overall. Someone like uh, there's this guy. He made this really funny joke. His name's Mark Ellis. He said, "Yeah, yeah, Doctor Sleep sounds like like a biopic of Doctor Kevorkian or something." Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it's like you don't you don't know what it is. You don't know what it's related to. Yeah, and people just make no connection. Um, despite the film being, I think, good enough. You know, I think it's I think it's a great <laughs> film, but uh, like. It's it's hard, like even abstractly to think. I remember at the time what I was thinking of it. So I saw the pro- I was actually working around Warner Brothers at the time or on their set, and I saw all of the promotional stuff. They had all the big posters up, and it's like is an abstract thing for me to think of. Like, what does a Shining sequel look like? Uh, in like Danny Torrance as an adult, it just like doesn't sound interesting to me because again, I, I just like wasn't aware of it. So like, I it, the, all the posters were just like Ewan McGregor's face and then like the Overlook or whatever. Yeah. And it was just like, what the hell is this movie? I don't know. I, I don't think the marketing did a bad job. There's just something about this movie that I think right off the bat didn't connect as, as well as it should have maybe. Or maybe it just wasn't going to, right? Like maybe, maybe it never was going to, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, did the first the first one, the first one. So just to go, go over the first one a little bit. So if we can kind of bring in sort of meta analysis. So, so Stanley Kubrick makes The Shining, the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Stephen King fucking hates that movie to this day 
Yeah. Hates well, that movie. Yeah. Hates it. We'll, hate, hate, we'll, hate. We'll, 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 talk H. About, we'll talk about it later because that there's <laughs> the, the only reason, the only problems I have with Dr. Sleep is the Stephen King side, not the Kubrick side. Yeah. yeah so, um, so he hates that movie uh, because there, there are some changes that happen that, oh, you know, yeah, uh, were always going to happen. But like, I think that they had a, maybe not the best relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, so yeah, so they, they have that film, but that film was not really well regarded either when it came out. Yeah. Right. I think That's, Shelley yeah. Duvall's performance was like seen as horrific. I think she won a Razzie for that performance. Yeah. I, she, they, they absolutely didn't, I didn't hated remember that. her performance. Yeah. The, her, yeah. her performance when this film came out was absolutely Hated across funny, almost across it's the like, board. It's regarded as like one of the greatest, most naturalistic performances of all time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I go that so far. I mean, I think well, it's, it's obviously she's. I mean, she's being like tortured in the film, like actually. This is true. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, so I, you know, I, I, I think there's like there's levels, right? There's like when you hit the meta level, and it's right. it goes too far sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it approaches that, but. Overall, obviously, the film is now regarded as one of the greatest horror films of all time. Uh, but it was not at its time. So even the the original film is not, like, highly loved. It's sort of, over time, been well regarded because of how Kubrick is being seen as one of the greatest directors of all time. I mean, that has a lot to do with it. Well, that and their... I mean, the psychological aspect of it, like the, the, the whole psychological thriller, I feel like is owes a lot to the shining, just the way that it's the way that you don't really know what's going on. It's a little dreamlike. It's a little surreal, you know, <laughs> like it's obviously it's like really, really, really important in that aspect. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, it's a great film. Like there is no doubt about it. It is, it is one of my favorite horror films for sure of all mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, like this is always kind of what happens when you like make a sequel out of a film that's not, well regarded sort of like Blade Runner, right? Blade Runner yeah. 2049. Great film. Yeah. Didn't really do great. Yeah. But the original didn't do great. So when you're making a sequel off of a IP that's kind of a cult classic, you know, are you going to make a lot of money on it? It's weird. Well, there's a distinction between just being a cult classic and then being like for whatever, like it appreciates over time and then people keep talking about it and it's on lists and it's like in all of yeah. these compilations of greatest films of all time. And like, that's got to send a different type of message to the studio than like, oh, Boondock Saints is a, is a cult classic. You know, we're never going to yeah. give them money to make a third one or whatever, God forbid. But like, eh. Boondock well, Saints, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe if we give Boondock Saints another 10, 20 years, then maybe it'll reach that status. I don't think so. It's a pretty bad example but you know what i'm trying to say like there are some movies that don't they're expected to do something when they were made originally and they failed as opposed to just uh you know something that was they didn't expect anything of and then it makes some kind of money uh i don't know what i'm trying to say (laughs) but yeah like it it did appreciate over time like blade runner uh shining both absolutely properties yes right? so they probably yeah. got those mixed messages where they were like well this, this is still doing great <laughs> yeah. on, on on demand you know mm-hmm. it's like people love it now people yeah. think it's the greatest of all time maybe we should make a sequel oh wait the sequel does the same as the original and and, and the thing about the making a sequel to the shining before we get into the movie itself is i i don't i don't i mean okay it's stephen king's story <laughs> but it to me that's a, the stephen king part of the shining was not like what a attracted me to it it was the take it was the it was the kubrick version of it the twisted kind of like it's got 
the story elements are there and that's helpful, but he took so many liberties with that story. Like, especially yes, going back, sure. having seen Dr. Sleep and then going back and see, kind of realizing what the original Shining was, that was a very, very different story <laughs> than what that movie came out. And I love that movie for, for, for the Kubrick aspect. I don't love it for the Stephen King, like, ooh, there's Ooga Booga, you know, mystery, magic people. <laughs> I don't care about that I, stuff. Yeah, yeah. This, and the other thing, too, like, we should also talk about, if we're going to talk about Stephen King, is, like, there's a, been another revival of Stephen King adaptations. True. Warner oh, yeah. Brothers again, right? No, Warner Brothers no, did it. This exists without it, yeah. It And It Chapter 2 are huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. And these things, they come in waves. You know, the other, I, I, a film that's bad, like, actively bad, but I kind of like... <laughs> I've liked at different points was uh, there's this film Dreamcatcher, which is another Stephen King adaptation. Oh, hell yeah. The Lawrence Castan movie? Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> film is that film is wild. That film yeah. is interesting. And there is, you know, it, I feel like if you if you did that film today, but just focus on the kid part, I think you could have a film, especially if you did it right now, that could really resonate oh, yeah. because it's kids based in, in dairy. Yeah, it's based in dairy. <laughs> there's kids. Man, there's a scene in that movie where they where there's this girl, this like mentally handicapped girl who like fell in a sewer. Yeah. <laughs> and the kid they lower the kid down to go grab her. And I saw this again recently. I'm like, holy shit, it could be down there. Literally, mm -hmm. it could be down there and they could could get killed by it. Of course that didn't happen. But when you when you when people know and actually actively understand the world that he creates, like there are things there. Um, and again, this is, I think, another reason why they would want to make this film and make it now. You have a great director who's one of the greatest horror writer directors working today. And you've got a good actor and it's a property that's resonating across the board. And, they gotta, the Warner yeah. suits got to be thinking if people are going to go see it and it is huge. It the the first movie it is like one of the highest grossing already movies of all time. They got to be like, hey, The Shining's got to work, too. Right. Shining. Sequel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean. And I have to applaud them so far that over the years, or at least ever since Marvel took off, they've had the restraint to go full in on the Stephen King connected universe because he's been doing that shit for like 40 years or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, totally. I, I have to applaud that the studios haven't just been green lighting every single Stephen King thing ever, even though like most of them have already been done throughout the 80s and 90s, like especially as shitty TV movies. But uh or miniseries or something or like mini that. Or miniseries, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Mike Flanagan, I just wanted to say, like, he, he strikes me as, like, a, the current day kind of Darabont in a way because he has been – he's ha he has his head completely up Stephen King's ass. Like, and I mean that in a good way. Like, he understands it and he seems to be, like, kind of the one that really knows how to adapt it. Uh, I mean, obviously, it was good as well, but, like, he just – even watching interviews with him like makes makes it seem like he really kind of he's really passionate about this stuff. And if there were to be more adaptations, I feel like he would be the one to do them. Uh, just because like in the '90s, people were saying that about Frank Darabont, right? They're just like, "There's only one guy who can do Stephen King stories." Is this guy? Um, so yeah, maybe. I so you think like one of the best ones, the best Stephen King adaptations. It's definitely um, the Shawshank Redemption is really good. So is the Green Mile, but also like Stand by Me was really good. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, that's yeah. Rob Reiner. Um, Misery. I think Rob Reiner did that one too. Yep, yep, yep. Those are good. Um, yeah, I, I, think I still it, think The Mist is one of the best movies ever made. Oh, I love The Mist. The Mist yeah. is like that. That is a that is a awesome B movie. That, that's the kind of shit. That's the Stephen King I'm I'm really interested in. And I'll tell you what it is. Just keep the kids out of it. I don't want to see kids in it. I don't yeah, care you know, about I, kids. I don't care about that whole thing. Yeah, I think some of that's the best the, stuff he does. 
is kids. Mm-hmm. When it comes to fa- – okay, is. so I'll put it this way. It is. The fantastical stuff, kids. Yeah. Not fantastical stuff, adults. Yeah. Or yeah, at yeah. least there's some stuff kind of in the middle. The Green Mile's in the middle of that. Yeah. But I feel like what's great about it isn't all the fantastical stuff. That's just a little bit of it. Yeah. But, well, yeah, with the with, with the – with kids, that stuff like it is with the kids. Um, there's yeah. some other stuff. Yeah, you gotta you gotta have cool. kids. The I think. shining is with the kids now. Uh, well, it's always been with the kids. You know, it's always been again the the original story has a kid in it, and the kid features very heavily in it. The movie, the kid features heavily in it too, but it really is more about Jack Nicholson just spiraling. Yeah, yeah, spiraling. Uh, yeah, which yeah. So, anyways, that's a personal problem that I have with Stephen King stories is that I don't like the fantastical and the kids stuff because yeah. he's always, he's mixing the kids stuff with really horrific shit, but I feel like you usually can't quite like, I've never seen anything really marry that. Not even this film, which has like the most horrific child murder probably ever put the film or at least in a big picture that I can think of recently. Uh, I, th- I think, I think it, the first one from 2017 is the worst. But this is second worst. I oh, you with, with Georgie? Maybe. Yeah. yeah, when you... That that was insane. He bit his fucking arm off. Yeah. <laughs> I, get, it, it, I don't know. I just Something about it. Like, I don't care. When I see a child being murdered on screen, I'm just like, uh... I don't know. I'm, I'm psychopathic in that way. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I'm telling you, when I, when I saw it, the first one, and he bit his arm off, I was like, this movie is not fucking around, and that that was That's like, That's whoa! True. No, I have to. Yeah, that I there's I can't bullshit my way around that. That was a pretty big moment. Yeah, yeah. Like he bit his arm off. That, that was that was a mission statement for that film. Absolutely. But yeah, but and that was like the opening first scene. Yeah. Um, yeah but yeah, yeah, this this film is also yeah pretty gruesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's dive in. Let's go. I into dug the it. Plot. I dug it. I dug the child murder <laughs> scene in this movie. I thought it was as close as we could get to marrying the because that's that's what always I hate about not I hate but the Stephen King stuff or just stuff in general where like kids have to go through this like crazy wacky horrific shit like Stranger Things is doing this a lot but like yeah. and yes kids are getting murdered and it's really gruesome and it's darker than like you would ever think it would be but for whatever reason to me. It just like there's still that childhood like wonder because like by the end of it, you know, the, if there's a child, especially who has to save the day, there's got to be that wonderment or that kind of like childhood innocence that like shines the light through the darkness or whatever. Like you have to have that moment. And I, for whatever reason, because I'm such a nihilist and a pessimist <laughs> and an asshole, uh, I, that never works for me. Never once. <laughs> yeah. So. So, but this movie, I think, got really, 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 really close, and we can talk about all of the different things. And I love the uh, the child actress in this movie is incredible. Oh yeah, the one who plays Abra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really sells it. Like, really sells the yeah, fact she's that good. she's a child, but like also is is doing this like. Oh, do, do you mean like? Yeah, the tween or like the the child the the younger version. Mm, the the tween. Sorry. The tween. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah, there's there's multiple, and the, especially the director's cut. There's like yeah. more stuff with like the we see her really really young, and then we see her as a tween. Oh, okay. We well, talk I about mean, that. we do see that a little bit in the theatrical, but we see more of it in the the um, director's cut. We get more. I mean, there's yeah, they, they added a half hour to it, so I'm sure. Like again, yeah. to me, to me, it felt like nothing. I don't want to say it didn't feel. It felt like nothing was added, but like if it, it all, it was. Some director's cuts feels like it's just a compilation of deleted scenes, and this actually felt like thought out kind of all the way through. So to me, nothing yeah. really felt extra. So I'm curious uh, what you have to say about that. Yeah, 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 for sure. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, Dr. Sleep, let's go over the plot a little bit. So mm-hmm. the film opens with the awesome The Shining score, right? Yeah. Like that really ominous, which is really cool. Um, And then so like it opens on the scene uh, in Florida in 1980 and this girl, Violet, and she's like picking flowers or whatever. And then she meets Rose the Hat, who's played by Rebecca Ferguson, who's like singing whatever. Possibly the most adorable child actor that I could think of in recent memory. Like this, this Violet, uh, was that a name, Violet? (laughs) Yeah, Violet. Uh-huh. This this kid just right off the bat it just made me go, Oh <laughs> knowing full yeah. well they're gonna kill her. But I was just like, Oh, she's so cute. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and like they just set you up for all this yeah. terrible stuff. I mean, these are some terrible people. Um so Rosa Hat is like she's singing and then she's like says her 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 catchphrase, well, hi there. And <laughs> the girl, she's like showing her this trick. And then all these other people start kind of enclosing in on her. And then they kill this little girl, this 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 group of people. We just see them all jump in on her. Um, and then like her mom's like looking for her and they can't find her. And that's how we're introduced to the villains of this film, who we're gonna yeah. know are the true not, these psychic vampires that feed on people that have the shining. Yeah. Smart to get that out of the way right off the bat. Cause uh, like the villains, obviously they have to be there so that there can be a plot so they can be some kind of a thing. But like, I don't know, like this movie's doing a lot. This movie is trying to balance. It's doing yeah. half of it is trying to pay off the, the work, right? The Stephen King novel and everything. And then the other half is trying to, and desperately, <coughs> desperately trying to remind you that this is a, this is a sequel to Kubrick's the shining, right? And so, like the, the all of the new stuff, I'm glad. I think they did a tremendously good job of setting it up and just getting it out of the way as, as early as possible before we, because then we flash back to Danny Torrance, right, as a kid. Yeah, yeah. So then, so the the one of the differences between the theatrical cut and the director's cut is director's cut has chapters, mm-hmm. and so um, it's it's yeah, it's divided into six chapters. So chapter one is it's called Old Ghosts, um, and so it's like these recreated scenes from the Overlook Hotel, uh, but with new actors. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, the classic Danny on his bike riding around. Uh, then he goes to room 237 and he sees the the naked woman. Mrs. Uh, Massey, I think? Is, yeah. Is there, whatever. So, they, there's like a canon name for her now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all have names. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I just know it's like naked woman, the bleeding sure. guy or whatever. You know? Well, that's what Kubrick would want you to say. He Kubrick doesn't want you to think too much about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this was like a dream. So like in general, like what were your feelings about these recreations of like the Kubrick stuff? Did it, did it work? <laughs> did it work? That's a loaded <laughs> question. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I think. <clears throat> well, do, okay. Did you feel like, did you, did you like that they included it? Did it feel too fan servicey? Like I, I think, think that's the question. Did it yeah. feel like fan service? Yeah. Or did well, it feel it, genuine? It did. No, if, if both. Honestly, both. And it, it felt <laughs> respectful and intelligent and like like it was intelligently done and it didn't feel like it was cheap or it was just recreating for the sake of recreating even though that's what it was. Uh it felt good to me and I'll tell you a a, a reason why is that I'm sure it's for budgetary reasons and for like not jumping the shark and being completely stupid, but I'm glad that they did this. Like a lot of movie sequels, you know, in, in, in <coughs> let's say 40, 30 years ago, 
if you had a sequel and you couldn't get the actor, you would just recast that actor. Nobody would say anything. Nowadays, they would find a way, uh, especially like the way that fucking Marvel and Star Wars, they've been de-aging and CGIing and doing all this crazy stuff. And I feel like <clears throat> there was a choice made very early on. They were like, we're not doing that. We're treating this as if it's really is a sequel to a movie, you know, 40 years ahead, we're going to recast everybody and we're going to keep the characters and not just try to do that, like, uh, just do that actor. So, because to me, that the actors were like a big thing. We're just like, if you can't nail, like, again, the Shelley Duvall thing is just like, ooh boy, like, that's a very particular performance because yeah. it beat out of a, 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 a individual. <laughs> so, like, yeah, how do you... Yeah. How it's do the you, result of, 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 like... Months of torture, <laughs> months of torture, but like a very like her personality, you know, and everything was like kind of responded to that torture in a very specific way. I know it sounds horrible, but that's kind of how it was. So it was just like I'm, I'm just I think they they did a respectful job with it. Yeah, I think it works for what the movie's trying to do. I think it does. It doesn't feel exploitative. That's that's basically what I'm trying to get to. It didn't feel exploitative. Yeah. However, it, it is pretty obvious that like you know it is fan service like that's why they're doing it yeah it it is quite kind of fan servicey yeah because in the sense you can almost see parts of the, this film not totally needing especially the flashback stuff of the overlook um this scene in particular when you don't he's, need it he's, yeah. yeah you don't really need it because he could you could just like cut to him at his house and then he, what happens happens well, they but, uh, they rewrote. I, I learned this. They rewrote the third. We'll get to it, but they rewrote the third act of this movie to take place at the Overlook uh, to sort of again to to marry because in the in the book the in, in Doctor Sleep. Well, the, well, they we burn it probably, down at the end we of the Shining. Get into, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like yeah. we'll get into that later. Like when we get to yeah. that point. But like the book and the Shining, the movie are very different. Right, but to serve this point in particular, it's like the reason that they're doing that is because they they knew all along they were going to do the fan service thing and they were going to rewrite it and they were going to go back to the Overlook and so they were just like well, fuck it, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do the fan service. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, there's fan service, um, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I think I think it kind of works for me. Like I I like it. Like I like this film a lot. I watch like I've watched this film probably like four or five times uh, since it came out. Honestly, I, I would want to – I would watch it again, and uh, yeah. I'd watch either version. Um, I haven't seen theatrical yet, but, like, I liked what I saw, yeah. Yeah, um, so the, there's a lot of things in this film that work for me. It's in my wheelhouse of what I like about the Stephen King universe, for sure. Um, like, all the world buildings. And he does a great job of world building, too. Yes. Like, all these yes. – all this – because there – there is hell of shit in this movie in terms of like how people, what the shining is, right? Like, yeah. Did the and shining, the first one really tell us what the shining is? No, but that's what I love about it. That's why I hate what well, I don't hate, but like, it's so frustrating to me that, Oh, we're going to do a sequel to the shining. I, I love what he did with the first one in that they, again, the shining is the framework upon which Kubrick built his psychological bullshit into it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> which is not necessarily all in the book or any of it is in the book. Right. Uh, so to do this movie and with the intent of marrying the, keeping Stephen King happy because he's on board with this project and also keeping the shining fans happy. He, gargantuan gargantuan task. dude <laughs> yeah. gargantuan but, task yeah. <laughs> i mean and one thing um I, I i'd seen uh flanagan talk about was that he said that this film made stephen king kind of like the soften shining up movie? he yeah. softened, i think the term was soften up on it yeah so it is it i think this worked for what 
Flanagan was trying to do. Because if you, can, so. if you can get Stephen King to sort of see the big picture of like where the movie universe can work, mm-hmm. I think that speaks volumes because i mean he's yeah. the he's the main guy you'd you have to if you're thinking of i want to win over x person yeah. he's got to be the main guy you want to win over right absolutely <laughs> it's the biggest accomplishment of this movie i think yeah 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 um okay so yeah so in the plot so we get this flashback it's a dream um sort of the reason for us going to that dream is that the ghost that this woman is still haunting danny at this time when he's a child and he sees the naked old woman in his own bathroom. And so he's super scared. Um, so then, you know, his mom, Wendy, who's played by Alex Esso kind of tries to help him. Awesome job. Awesome job. But like, I thought, um, right. Like the, the, the way that like, I feel like this movie stacked with the Kubrick esque horror, like most of it in the beginning, I feel like, and it's done like the scene in the forest with the, with the knot and the little girl, uh, is like, it's, it's shot in a very interesting way. Uh, the shot reverse shot to the people in the forest and now they're closer, that kind of thing. And then uh, the stuff in the bathroom with the naked old lady, I felt like maybe because we were with those characters from the first movie and I like the fact that they just recast them and they did it as if like, ah, shit, you know, like whatever, you know, we're making a new a new one. Uh, it worked really well for me. I thought the whole rest of the movie was going to be like this and it wasn't, but I yeah. liked the, these beginning parts a lot. It, it felt very like the Kubrick-esque, like they were paying it off, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, by the way, Alex Esso, like, she was like kind of close to being in uh, being in the film that we worked on that I wrote or no, possessed no my shit. body. Really? Yeah, she 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 uh audi- she was going to audition, That's uh, but funny. I think there was some kind of conflict. So yeah, she was almost almost wow. worked with her, <laughs> which That's is funny. So funny, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's no, a big she... horror person, mm-hmm. so I think in general she's uh, she's up for a lot of horror stuff if it works for her. Yeah, she likes it. Well, she did again. Like, what a what an impossible task! But for the little time, because I think they were judicious with how much they were going to show her, anyways, or like how much they're going to develop her character in this movie. They don't really have to, uh, but what they showed of her, like, really kind of encapsulates that kind of uh, Wendy yeah, Shelley Duvall. The mannerisms are very there. The mannerisms, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some like they did. Maybe I don't know if it's her actual teeth, but like they did something with her teeth, or like you know they made her mouth big, look bigger, or something. That, <laughs> I, yeah. So I think they did a good job. Yeah. 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 She, she, you know, and again, that is, it's hard, right? Like those, exactly. like, it's so distinct, like the performance that Chili Duvall yeah. gave, but she, yeah. she really hit it off the mark. Uh, so then later, so Danny meets with Halloran again, Dick Halloran, the guy from uh, The Shining, yeah. Uh, yeah. This, the black guy who has The Shining, who basically kind of was like his, his sensei. I, teaching was him another the Shining. moment. I was just like, oh man, sweet. Like, again, like, I'm struggling to think of an example right now off the top of my head, but there were a lot of sequels in the 90s, for example, to things where they just couldn't get the guy, like RoboCop, for example. I'm fucking, we just don't have him. So, like, we're just going to recast a guy and it'll be RoboCop 3 and it'll be great and you're going to like it. Like, I I like that attitude that this movie kind of has just a a tiny bit. So, yeah, like, they recast, well, whatever, Scatman Carruthers is obviously passed away but just like oh cool like they're bringing him back like they're bringing the character back this guy's doing the mannerisms and everything like it felt it yeah felt the voice and yeah. um you know yeah all this stuff and yeah it does it, it's like yeah it works it it, yeah. it, it, it makes feels it respectful feel, mm-hmm. yeah. it feels respectful and it feels like it's one singular thing mm-hmm. they're all connected mm-hmm. um so yeah so dick basically tells danny how he can control the ghosts and um pretty much he tells him he can create a mental box yeah. That he can put the ghosts in to trap them. 
for yeah. as long as he keeps them in that mental box. That was the the visual of the box, the way that he chose to do that, like the director. That that was kind of the first moment where, because again, I was super, super skeptical, skeptical going into this movie. Despite the good reviews, I didn't really know much about Mike Flanagan. So I was just like, ooh, like he's done a couple of Stephen King things here. He's got, he's done some Netflix stuff, but like I didn't really know who he was. And then that like the way that he did that, like that sequence with the mental image of the box and stuff. I thought was really smart. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is an intelligent director. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, again, talking, we talked earlier about um, Dreamcatcher. Mm-hmm. I feel like one of the good things, I think that he's, he's continuing on and building on things that have actually, because this is, again, another Stephen King sort of trope, if you will, like this, the, how the mental space works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like in, in, in that, and we see that we see that almost a direct version of that in this film, mm-hmm. what people's mind is like and what it's like yeah. for someone to go in and access information in someone's mind. Um, so, yeah, he does a good job of building on the visual imagery and the visual yeah. language that that we've kind of figured out. I like how do you visually represent what the Stephen King right. stuff is? Right. Because when you go deep, and this film goes pretty deep into all of the stuff that someone who has The Shining can do. How do you communicate that to well, the audience? And that's what I appreciated about it is that it goes deep into it without just being, you know, two people sitting in a room in front of a map and they're like, all right, so here's how it works. Your mental projection goes here and this and that. Like it does it all throughout the film in like all the different kind of sequences. Like it's spread out and I didn't understand all of it. I probably didn't understand half of it, like the 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 whatever the mechanics of this is, but I understand that it was possible and how it was possible. And uh, I think it worked. I think he did a good job with it without just bashing us over the head of like yeah. just having one character explain like when you super, go into yeah. some, when you shine into someone's mind, like they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't super expository, but it got it across. And I think the fact that it was all with visual cues, like mm-hmm. later on we see um, we see Danny basically take out the, <laughs> the ghost. <laughs> He goes into the bathroom and then we see oh, yeah. the, the yeah, box. Yeah. We hear her scream and the box goes shut. It. Yeah. And we just get, oh, he trapped her, the ghost, in his mind, in this yeah. in this physical physical object in his mind, and that's trapped the ghost there forever. Yeah. Um it's, it's smart. Yeah, yeah. Cool stuff. And and another small part that I really like was like he Dick talks about like why what happened at the overlook happened. And basically, he was saying mm. that people that have The Shining, when you go to The Overlook, it wakes up all the ghosts, and they are attracted to The Shining because they feed on it. They need it. Crucial that they put that in this movie, and they build upon it throughout because, again, that's something that the, this Kubrick movie just skipped <laughs> because you're supposed to you're supposed to come up. I mean, famously, right, he put Jack Nicholson in that picture at the end of The Shining just to kind of let people go completely apeshit insane thinking of like oh my god what is this was this a flashback the whole time was this this and that and like whatever so like or was this just like somebody's mind you know or we is this this this, none of this ever happened like i think that was the intent of the first movie and i'm glad that again trying to marry that stephen king with 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 the the kubrick like this movie is kind of just very softly being like no like there's an explanation for this please follow me along and it wasn't like overbearing i thought that was smart yeah, uh, yeah, I think they did a good job of that. But I, I do think that he leans more like the Flanagan stuff is leaning more towards the Stephen King. A hundred percent. There is, there is a is. like he's 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 tying into the big universe. Yeah. 
right? And it's yeah. not just like, well, I don't know. These guys are crazy, and he went crazy. It's like – Yeah, exactly. That, no, that's what this movie is doing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. So um, then we kind of – okay, so so <laughs> the other thing too about the, 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 the name of this film, Dr. Sleep. Ugh. Who is Dr. Sleep? I don't know. Who is, who is Dr. Sleep? Where does that name come from? I don't know. I don't like so it. So we get, we get a little bit of it. Like they call, they call him Doc because he likes Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny. Dude, I shit you not. I watched that entire three-hour movie, sat on it for two days, and until like this morning, I was like I – was, I was literally taking my morning piss, and I was like, oh, it's because of Bugs Bunny. <laughs> like it did not – it just whoosh. Yeah. Straight yeah. up did not connect. Yeah, and and that's half of the story. We haven't even gotten to the other half of why. <laughs> that's why they call him Doc. But why do they call him? Because it's not like you know. Look, if you if your if your name is like um, Holiday, sure. the old old people will call you Doc until the end no of time. No matter what. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not one of those. It's not like his name was Danny Holiday. That's why that I was so sense. confused. Because the flashback when he's a kid, they call him Doc. As an adult, they call him Doc. I'm like, who the fuck is Doc? <laughs> <laughs> What did he do? But yeah, it's literally because he watched Bugs Bunny as a kid and he loved it. And he's like, and so they call him Doc. What's up, Doc? I think that is something they do talk about in The Shining, the first movie. Okay. Possibly. I think there's a conversation between him and Dick where they where they kind of go over that. Oh, sure. Okay, okay. But, but even in the scene, there's one scene where they're watching Bugs Bunny. The scene is about him going to lock Mrs. Massey away in his mind box. I wasn't paying attention to the Bugs yeah. Bunny. I thought that was just cute because it's a Warner Brothers cartoon and they could put it on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, that was supposed to like make us understand yeah. that it, it. that's how he got the name Doc. Okay, but, well, I... Yeah, but it is, it is a bad title. And yeah, I think so. that whole thing, that whole Doc, Doctor Sleep stuff, because why would they call him Doctor? Because it's Doc. It's what's up, Doc, dude? <laughs> well, it's because – no, I mean to be fair, it does come up later in the story. The patients tell – you know, they call him Dr. Sleep or whatever. Yeah. Like he yeah. gets christened with that name formally, but it, it's 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 a tiny thing. Like I, I guess I get why the novel would be called that, but for this movie, I don't think it works at all. Yeah, it's – they try really hard, and the, the stuff is there. He leaves the stuff there for us to like yeah. connect it. But I don't know. Maybe it would have been better. It, t- it took me two days to connect the the, the, bugs <laughs> the dots. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's great. Okay, so then twenty one years later, Danny is drunk like his dad. He's a drunk. He's he wakes up next to some naked woman. This he has a flashback of a bar fight, see, dude. Yeah. This movie's front loaded with like just uh, catnip for my brain. I was just like, yes beaten down alcoholic he's haunted by his past like give me all of this shit yeah it's <laughs> then, some it good turns stuff. Into, then it turns into stephen king and the scooby-doo mystery club of, with children but that's, <laughs> you know that's the shit that i don't like but we'll get to it yeah we get some fantastical stuff we get some fantastical stuff in this yeah. film oh boy mm-hmm. um and so the next scene that we get we cut to new hampshire and this little girl abra stone and we see this thing with her parents and she's playing piano and they're like, Oh, go to bed. And when she goes to bed, the piano keeps playing, even though she's asleep and no one's there. And so yeah. this is the first time we see Abra and we see she has the shining too. And this is, I, this is how it's manifesting. I, I really appreciate going back to the way that they did uh, the, the mental box and everything. I really like that this movie went back to that kind of like, I guess you could call it classical now, but like, Movies used to respect, used to, whatever, big 
big budget movies for the most part like you used to respect the viewer's intelligence a little bit more i feel like so that like when this movie goes to abra we don't know any of these people's names but we're just kind of into it because of the way that the sequence is built you know and they don't have to tell us like they don't there doesn't have to be a conversation between the parents when they see the piano they're like oh i think there's something going on with our daughter like it's done it's done with the film language and i really 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 like that about this movie that it, it never like it doesn't sit it doesn't like just sit like okay in case you didn't get it these characters are going to talk about it and tell you what happened or like we're going to tell you what their names are so that you don't get lost later on in the movie like it builds on on top like all these sequences build on top of each other and they kind of you kind of get the big picture and i like that i like that because we cut to abra and it's just like who the fuck why do i care but like the way that that sequence is structured you're like oh i get it that's this is relevant yeah, yeah and um yeah, they could just kind of like just lay it in there. It's really, it's really pretty well done. Um, yeah. That's something that was not really in the uh, theatrical cut. That that scene. Mm, okay. um, I, I think that they, I think they do something kind of similar. Like we do see her, but we don't see the piano playing. Um, mm-hmm. We just kind of get the sense that she's she's got the shining. Um, there's so then later one thing, on, mm-hmm. there's one thing just real quick. There's one thing I thought of when I was watching the director's cut. I was like, I bet this is not in the theatrical, and we'll get to it. and I'll ask you about it. There's only one thing that I was just like, this is. Hmm, I don't think I don't think this is was in it, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So then um, there's another scene in uh, Long Island, New York. So there's this this girl uh, who's meeting with some. So she's at this movie theater watching Casablanca. Again, and, I love it. We don't know who these characters are, but we're they're just in, they're the world building, like you said. Yeah. They're really, like it keeps your attention because you're like, oh shit, like this is a big. It feels like a Mission Impossible. Like they're setting up all these different locations all these char- and all these characters. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So she meets with this this guy, this old, way older guy, meets with her, and um, we see uh, these. We see um, um, Rose the Hat. And this other guy who we're gonna know is Crow Daddy. Crow These Daddy, true not yes. pe- people. Great actor. I lo- I really like oh that my guy. God, He's I a love cool actor so much. Yeah. He's really I great did- in this movie too. I didn't. It took me until about halfway through this movie to realize he was Hanzi from Fargo season two, and I fucking love that performance. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's he's got he puts in a lot of good work. Uh, yeah. He's a Native Native American actor, so he's played like Native Americans in a whole bunch of movies and shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and dude, I think he was in Westworld. Uh, he was he's been uh, a bunch of stuff. He was on an episode of Walker Texas Ranger, dude. That's that's yeah, that that's my swamp. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy, he's a, he, he and he just like I really like his performance in this because he's very like rational and logical and kind of like he's trying to be the I don't know the voice of reason the, i guess yeah the voice of reason yeah. in the room um despite the fact that these are all psychic vampires who go around killing people and yeah hunting people yeah um so yeah i really like it's nuanced he he plays a villain but he doesn't like twirl the mustache exactly. even though he does have a mustache that he could very easily twirl <laughs> yeah yeah so i really i really really like his performance so mm-hmm. the two of them are watching this interaction between andy and this guy and so then um we see that Andy has the shining and her power is she has the power of persuasion. So if she tells you something, you're going to do it. Um, and later on, like, uh, Rosa had, they call her a pusher. That's, that's the, the term they have for what her, for her style of ability within the shining. So then we see what she does to this guy. She, uh, so they like met up online and you know, this guy is your yeah, typical yeah. sick, disgusting motherfucker looking for kids to, Again, just built. They don't. Yeah, yeah it's just built really well. You know, they. It's first. It's just these two people talking. 
and just the content of their conversation informs you to all of these things. And then you see Rose the Hat and Crow Daddy and they're yeah. and they're so they're watch they're all watching a movie, but these two are watching those two and that's like yeah. their movie. Like mm-hmm. I just like I like it's an it's intelligent filmmaking for the big popcorn dumb audience. And I like yeah. that. <laughs> and it's well shot too. It's a beautiful scene. It's the typical mm-hmm. kind of like the Hollywood the, the light is coming from behind. Yeah, right, of course. Yeah. Rose and people uh, in the theater, what huh? I know. <laughs> <laughs> the wolves were the times, right? Yeah, we don't get I want to see. I want to see like maybe kids born ten years ago or whatever who are going through this right now. If they're going to watch movies ten years from now, and they're going to be like, "Oh, did people really used to? Uh, did people really used to go to raves? Is that a thing? Uh, that's sweaty people rubbing us up against each other." <laughs> For real, right? <laughs> Project Project X is like a. It's like fiction. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like totally like not. Although to be fair, when it comes to parties, people just don't care. Um, they do it anyway. True. 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 Yeah. So, um, so Andy, what she does is she like, she basically plants something in his subconscious so that, and she takes his wallet, she takes his money. Um, so that whenever he like looks in the mirror, he's going to remember something, some horrific event that happened, but he can't place it. So it'll keep him away from like going after young girls anymore. And he's supposed to say out loud, like basically that he's a pedophile. Yeah. Which I like. <laughs> yeah, so she's like, like that, like that really. Um, I've heard a lot of people feel different ways about Snakebite Andy. Uh, but mm. I really liked her character. I like the actress and I like the way that they depict the character personally. Is that is that people who are loyal to the book? No, I just, are... I've seen people oh. who just, who out of blind just film people. It's like, I hate Snakebite Andy. But I don't oh, feel that interesting. way. I think, I think what, a, a problem that this movie has is that, at least for me, is that it's so strong and it's opening and it's world building and it's setting everything up that in the second half, a lot of those things – I mean they, they, they don't really – like they're not setting these characters up for like this grand kind of arc or anything. But a lot of them just get dropped and they – because there's not enough time to really spend time with these characters. So like Andy has such a strong, strong, strong introduction – and then she has maybe like two or three more relevant scenes after that. Yeah, well, I think kind of I exclusively. Think the 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 thing about it, I think the problem is like basically there's the true knot, and so Andy's whole um, arc, a lot of it just has to do with telling us who the true knot are, yeah, and the what they're about, yeah. yeah, like how they are a thing. That's her purpose, yeah. and once she serves that purpose, her character is done. Yeah. Uh, and they're because this film is really about Danny and Abra mm-hmm. uh, and the rest. So like Danny, there's a whole bunch of arcs with his past and his mom and all this other oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The drinking is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the drinking for sure. Um, and with Abra, it's like sort of the typical Stephen King coming into your own kind of uh, but with power. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I, mean, I get that's that. What, I get that. Right? <laughs> no, hundred yeah. percent. It just feels like uh, the, the movie spends a lot of screen time up front with a lot of these characters, and then just kind of drops them. But obviously, it serves a purpose. But yeah, it feels that way because, like, a lot of the true, a lot of the true night, you're introduced to some of them, but they're really just they're window dressing. They have to be there. You know, it's it's yeah, all you, like one big collective. You really only know Andy, Rose, and Crow Daddy, and then there's mm-hmm. like that one other guy who is sort of, but like, we don't really know anything about him. Yeah. It's just, he's, he's a connection for us to know what, where they are, what, the, and what they did. Um, but otherwise we don't really, we, 
it's really Rose is the is the antagonist. Yeah, and Crow yeah. Daddy is her prime like I don't know. Yeah, the prime person um, who's who's doing her bidding. Yeah. So yeah, but there's there's a lot of characters, right? There's a lot of characters. Exactly, and you can't fault them for you know, and in in, especially even in a three hour cut, it's just like yeah, I don't expect you to like if at that point make it a mini series if you really want to spend that much time with the knot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so then we cut to Danny, and he's like, he wakes up on the side of the road. He's drunk, or he was drunk, um, and he's like, he's rock bottom, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's his life is totally fucked up. <laughs> so he gets a he gets a ticket to Fraser, New Hampshire, and he's just gonna try and go there and start a new life. Basically, he's just trying to see how far he can go mm-hmm. to get away from. Where he Run was away from himself, baby. Yeah. Classic, classic noir. Uh, down on his luck. Uh, yeah, motivations. I like it. Yeah. So then we cut again to like Abra. Uh, so she's having a birthday party. There's this magician, and he's doing all these tricks and stuff. <laughs> Magician's and an asshole. <laughs> he's a little snarky. He's a little weird. It's yeah, a weird I mean, guy. I, yeah. 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 He just has a lot of comments that made him seem like uh, he's, he's just an asshole. Like, cause Abra's just like ahead of, one step ahead of him of every trick. And he's just like, okay, yeah, this is driving the hat. Uh. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. 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 It's funny. So, um, so Abra like decides to like, like actually do magic. <laughs> so mm-hmm. she does this thing where she makes all the, all the spoons stick to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, so again, the parents are like, it's really funny, like, the parents, because, like, you know, they know that she has all these powers, but they're, like, kind of, you know, their mom, they don't want to say anything. They want to act like, they, you know, it's like it's like sometimes when you're a kid, I don't know, like, they get, get come home drunk or something, and they, like, got into a fight, and they do just, <laughs> but you never, but, like, no one you else knows that happened. Up, yeah. You never bring it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the one time Johnny got arrested, and he was in the drunk tank, and he, he like, you know, he, he fought it, he punched a cop. But then they didn't. They they dropped the charges. Never talk about it. Don't know. Yeah, don't know what you're talking about. It's fine. He's fine. Um, so, but this scene is important because Danny and Rose they can feel her power. This is the first time they felt her power. Um, and so she is like, and she's at this point she's I don't know like eight or something or like five. yeah 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 really she's really very young, young. and yeah. like they can like she's really powerful. Um, so then we come to chapter two, which is called Empty Devils, and so this is where we get to really see and understand the true knot, what they are. And Andy is going to basically Rose offers Andy the, the opportunity to be initiated into their, I don't know what you would call Offers. It. Yeah. Their coven. Yeah. Cause they're basically a bunch of vampires. Yeah. Well, I like, I like this, this whole concept of like, yeah, it's, it's the, the classic deal with the devil. Like uh, they're basically they're magic vampires. So they're like, I'll offer you, immortality but not in those words and i'll offer you this and that like there she's being real sneaky about it but then ultimately uh andy doesn't really have a choice because they all have like mental powers so he she like kind of at least the way that it i mean that's the that's what i saw is that she like forced andy into it anyways well yeah and the other thing too is like she she the whole reason this coven works is that and they they kind of get into this a little bit like i kind of pick it up on it more the more i watch it is that uh rose is rose is really really powerful Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. and she's so powerful that she's she's able to resist someone like andy who can overpower most um i was just thinking like force users or whatever but <laughs> i mean yeah i mean it is right like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. most most practitioners of the shining but so there was this interaction where um where they met snakebite andy um 
Oh, sure. Outside she the was theater. she was able to use her persuasion on Crow Daddy, but not on Rose. Correct. Yeah. So Rose is more powerful than everybody, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pretty much. And so she's able to like do what she wants on any, basically any other person. Exactly. Yeah. That she knows. And so They're that's why this thing whatever, works. Whatever kid they want, they they can turn whoever they want. They don't even have to think about it twice because Rose is so powerful. And I like that. I like the idea of making a deal with the devil, but like. You don't really have any agency over it, anyways. That was yeah, she 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 would either turn or she would be um, she would be harvested for she would be uh, harvested and killed for steam. Steam. steam is, okay, I was just like, what is yeah. it? The sniff? What do they call it? I forget. <laughs> they call it steam in this. Yeah. So again, more world building stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so she agrees to do this deal with the devil. Um, and then later on, we see this uh, initiation. So then, but then Danny. Uh, he gets off the bus. He meets with this guy, Billy, who's played by, again, another great character actor. Um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. Oh, my God. Cliff uh, Curtis, dude. Cliff Curtis, yeah. Cliff Curtis dude, is one of the greats. Absolutely. I think should go down in history. Once the, the, the story of humanity is told, Cliff Curtis will go down in history as one of the great, great, great side character actors, side bit players, like, of all time. Of like, all time. <laughs> and not has- only that, but, like, he is a legitimately great uh, he's, he's a great actor. He's from New Zealand. He's from um, New Zealand, yeah. Yeah, he's one of the. I mean, I don't know if you've seen Once Were Warriors. Like, no, um, you, we talked about this. I think yeah. when we talked about some other movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's amazing in that movie, and he, that character in that movie. Oof. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, he is a great, great actor, and he's just like a guy I love to see. Love to see. Yeah, him. exactly, exactly. <laughs> and Billy in this movie, like that, that character has so much, uh, like kind of emotional weight or like gravitas to him kind of like i've he's like the i've seen some shit guy that every movie has but like the way that is it's performed or it's delivered is like you can see it in his eyes where he's just like i've no i've seen some shit i've gone through all the shit and like i'm just here to help people and you feel really like emotionally kind of right yeah. off the bat you feel this connection with him yeah so i i recently saw um what was it i think it was 21 grams yeah, I recently okay. saw oh, 21 sure, Grams. Yeah. You remember the Benicio character in that yeah. movie? Yeah. yeah he yeah, reminds yeah. me of the Benicio character, basically. Yeah. But yeah. without a family. Like, the dude who's, mm-hmm. like, who, like, fucked up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> really, like, yeah, his life, the way that it has been up to a point is just destroyed. But now he's turned it into something else. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like, dedicated himself to turning it around and turning other people around. And Yeah. Which is yeah, a very cricket. kind of, it's a it's an easy emotional hook. In a, in a way, but like it, it works, especially yeah, for this works. for Danny, which we kind of have some investment in at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so so Billy hooks him up with this uh, apartment attic, <laughs> eighty five eighty five bucks a week. How would you like to live somewhere for eighty five bucks a week in L A? I will take it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, especially if I have a blackboard on the back of the wall, I can just fucking entertain myself with. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Oh my god. So yeah, so he, he he helps him out and he again he just does it out of sort of the kindness of his heart. Like he yeah he understands and he knows that Danny is someone who's hit rock bottom, who alcoholic, has problems, and he's yeah. just out of the kindness of his heart helping this guy out. And there's a there's this like it's very, very I mean, there's a lot of things that are understated and kind of just little things like things like you said, like they he leaves them there for you to like discover, you know, for to think about. But like there's this great interplay between Danny and Billy where like Danny can literally see people as in he can see like their he can read their thoughts and shit like that. And he can know their character. Billy has that power too, but in a different way 
Like, cause the way Danny always talks to me, he's like, you've always been able to see me. You can, you can see me. Like, there's no logical reason why this guy would hook this guy, like not knowing him would hook him up and vouch for him to get this place and to give him a job and stuff. Like he could do that. He could do that to anyone coming off off the street, but like he saw something in in Danny and uh, that is a superpower in its own way. I think is what uh, maybe what this was trying to say. This guy is like able to judge character really well. Uh, And I thought that was cute the way that they did the interplay between the two. Yeah, there's a scene where um, later on, uh, Danny talks about everyone has a little bit of shine, mm-hmm. right? That's, yeah, exactly. And I think this is kind of playing into that. Like, he, yeah. again, his ability is the, the the ability to judge someone's character. Yeah, which um, is something that we can, which is finally something that can ground all of this whimsical bullshit, right? It's just like, oh, yeah. like, yes, those people do exist, and it's amazing, and they're amazing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 That that is, yeah, it, <laughs> It's like the explanation for like how people have that perceptive insight. Exactly. I yeah. think I think later on Danny says like it's like the person who like their wife is sad they bring them roses. You right? right? Yeah. I think they make that example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So then we cut to Andy. She's getting initiated into the true knot. So they do this ritual where they they uh, they they harvest the steam in these like canisters, uh, and then so then they feed Andy the steam of Violet to transform her into a vampire, and then we see this cool thing where. Yeah. They do all this stuff. They say all this chanting, and then they feed her the the steam, and then her eyes change, and then boom. Again, it's very, very cool shit, because I don't think there's ever a moment where they sit down and they're like, I mean, well, they're, they're all, it is, and it's sprinkled throughout, but there's not like one moment where they're like, all right, so steam is the essence of children that have shining powers. It's like it's all done kind of throughout, and you just you see it, and then you kind of uh, understand it. I'm going to keep bringing this up because I think this is the strength of the movie. Yeah. It's, 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 it's using its own, you know, it's being a film telling a story. You know, yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something we need more of in this world. Yeah. Um, like the good stuff. Uh, the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah, we um, cut to another scene where Danny, Danny wakes up and he, he sees this woman that he slept with earlier on in the film who was this like drug addict, drunk like him who had, she died. And then he sees her like ghost um, and the ghost is telling him like, oh, they haven't found me yet. And it's hella creepy. (laughs) Basically. Okay. This was the scene. Was this in the theatrical version? Him seeing the ghost specifically? Yeah. Was it? God, that felt so added. That felt so tacked on. (laughs) Well, you gotta, you gotta hit the scares. I think that's the Uh, thing. Okay. Gotta hit the scares. I I understand it, but I did it didn't really add too much to his character. Like it, yeah, it felt like if you got to add to the scares, fine. That's what it is. And there's also just, a ghost baby. The, the yeah, the ghost baby. Mm-hmm. Sure, cool. I guess <laughs> it, it, that's the one thing that felt like it was kind of unnecessary. It's creepy that this thing that we saw earlier in the movie happened. You know, like these people died, or maybe because of his actions, and that kind of pushes him more towards whatever he's going to end up by the end of the movie. His virtuous, his his you know, good side, but yeah. Yeah. Seems extra. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think the, the, the point of the scene too is like right after we see him, he, he asked Billy for help and getting sober. And then yeah. that scene where you're talking about, it's like, Oh, you've always seen me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then uh, Billy gets him into AA. So I think mm-hmm. that scene was supposed to be just like, he, he felt like F this. I need to, I need to get off this. Booze. Interesting. Interesting. I, th- I feel like that's why the scene happened. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so then he meets uh, this guy, Dr. John. Um, they have this interaction where he sort of shows Again, the Bruce shine. Greenwood, one of the greats, yeah. one of the great, great, great character actors. Yeah, I mean, Bruce Greenwood, like, 
if if you like put wasp in a dictionary, I feel like his face. <laughs> sure. Him, Jack Kennedy, and sure. like Robert Kennedy, like just like show all the Kennedys, yeah. Bruce Greenwood, and like you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. like yeah. If it's if you need a New Englander or like a guy, I, I recently I was watching uh, our robot where he plays the sure, CEO. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like any one of those characters, yeah. like he just he he fits. Yeah, exactly. So um, it, was, it was nice to see. And then they do this stupid shit. I don't know if it's jumping ahead a little bit, but we end up uh, we end up in his. So he goes to AA and he meets all these characters. He meets the what's his name, the Doc, right? He's an actual doctor. Bruce Green. Yeah, Doctor John is. Yeah, is his name. He's an actual doctor at a hospice. Yeah, and then for whatever reason, Danny decides to tell him that like, oh hey, you. I know that you're looking for your watch. You forgot your watch on the hand dryer or whatever. Uh, and then we end up in his office and then they do like a shot for shot remake of the fucking, the, yeah, the, of the shining, scene, of the the shining which I did not like. I, that, the, it, it, that was the point. Like we had a lot of the shining in the beginning of the movie and now we were getting into the new stuff. And then they did the kind of the same and his office, his desk is laid out exactly the same as in the interview with Jack Nicholson at the beginning of the shining that I was just like, it's too much. Like, and I know there's no reason you would build those sets if you're not going to go to them later. So, like, I know we're going to get to it, but, like, not now, man. I'm into the new stuff. Don't put Shining in this right now. That was the one moment where I was just like, oh. Yeah, it kind of okay. broke it a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, th- that was some good stuff. Like, like, like uh, Danny has a really good line in there. He says, like, so basically Jack's like, he's like, are you, are you sure you can work at a hospice? And he's like, like I don't, I don't care. the The world is one big hospice with fresh air. Like I'm yeah, not afraid of people dying. Um, and so yeah, then he goes to do that. Basically, mm-hmm. he's going to work at the hospice, and that's again another part of the doctor sleep part of this. Yeah. Like why that's his name. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, then we cut to Andy again, and now she's finally transformed into a psychic vampire. Um, and <laughs> so so then like so so Andy asks like, uh, "Am I still alive?" And Rose is like, "Well, do you care?" Do you you're, Im- you're immortal. <laughs> you're immortal. Well, and there's That's another line in there where he's like, "Oh, I felt like I died," and she's like, "Well, you did." And he's like, "Oh, yeah. huh? what?" <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So then back to back to Danny. Danny is working at this hospice, and then there's this cat named Hazzy. That's cat. like the most Stephen yeah. King shit I could ever think of. Is this this cat that like knows when people are gonna Dude, die, which is based on a real thing apparently. This cat is like. literally half the reason he wrote the book okay there you go (laughs) literally half the reason he wrote that book i i I sniffed it out i was just like that is the most stephen king shit (laughs) yeah so the cat goes to this guy the guy's about to die danny kind of comforts him the guy dies he sees the steam come out of his lungs uh and again this is another building everyone has steam steam is this thing blah 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 and steam is when you die when you're dying the steam is coming out yeah so yeah, more world building. Uh, and then he come. Danny goes home, and then he gets his first contact with Abra. She writes hello on his chalkboard, mm-hmm. um, and I think he might write back or something like that. But anyway, yeah. that's the first yeah. time the two of them come to know each other. Yeah. Uh, so then we get into the next chapter, chapter three, which is called Little Spy, which is in 2019, current day, so eight years later, um, and Danny's right. been sober for eight years. Yeah, um, I wasn't. Then, yeah. To, yeah, to be honest, I wasn't expecting a time jump. I don't think it's bad or anything. I just wasn't expecting it. So when I saw it, like when I saw eight years later, I was like, "Oh, this is Mission Impossible!" Like, holy shit! Like, this is a big, big story. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
And then I think we see another like person die. Basically, like like Danny gives a speech at AA. He's working at the hospice I, still. I love that scene. That that's the most emotionally resonant scene in the whole movie for me. Is that scene where because it's it's a single take and it's just a push into Ewan McGregor, who is like probably like top five actors for me. So I'm biased, but like it's a slow push in. It's it's about. Uh, it's, he gets his what his badge for like eight years of sobriety, right? Is yeah, what it is. They and give he you talks, a chip, like you get chip. an actual chip. Correct. Yeah, a chip. Sorry, yeah. And he talks about his dad, Jack Torrance. Uh, talks about alcoholism, which was a huge theme, obviously, in the original. And it's the kind of it's one of those scenes that ties into the original and gives you context to the characters of the first movie that the movie never like intended you to have. <laughs> so I liked that a lot. I liked his performance in that scene. Uh, it emotionally resonated with me. It, it felt genuine. Um, and yeah, we, we know, and it builds more about Danny's character, like why he's been dealing with it the way that he's been dealing with it. Uh, he locks away all his demons literally in his head and alcohol is one of those demons. So uh, that's that, yeah. he, that he can't put away in his head. And so. And another interesting thing, there was one thing that's not a part of the theatrical early, early on. Uh, Danny is at with that woman and they wake up drunk and then he's like taking her money. That's and, not in the theatrical? Oh, hold on. So what's not in the theatrical is, Sorry. so they're there. Uh, Dick tells him, hey, don't take her money or whatever. And then he like, he, like the kid showed, like this woman's child shows up and, <laughs> and he's just like, what the hell? He leaves the child with the woman. And then he's looking at the two of them, the woman, this woman who's passed out drunk and she's literally mm-hmm. in her own vomit. Yeah. And her child's there. And he tries to lock that away in his mind. Mm-hmm. He tries to take that moment and lock it in his mind, lock it away. So he doesn't yeah. have to think about it. But then Dick tells him, you can't do that. You, can't you cannot that shit, lock dog. away memories. Yeah. Memories are the real ghosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's stuck with it. He has to just remember forever. And then, again, that's kind of, I think, why uh, Flanagan goes back to that, where he sees the people dead. That's, you know, like you said, it's... Sure. That that is a that is a haunting well, moment for him. Um, yeah. That memory of seeing maybe the two of them. yeah. Well, them manifesting as ghosts, other than being scary, then made me think of like, oh fuck, what's going on here? <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I I I know I understand that one hundred percent. That's interesting. I didn't know. So they what did they take out specifically? The fact that he's trying basically, to basically yeah. That there, yeah. there's a moment he looks at them and then he's like he like goes like this or something, just some magneto shit or whatever, and yeah, then yeah, like yeah, yeah. like you see the box open. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Dick is like, "No, you can't. You can't that's lock a, that's that away." A strong, I think that's a strong character thing uh, that that'll like inform his decisions later on and stuff. But yeah, I yeah. think the the sobriety speech was was really really well done, uh, and I like the fact that it was one take. I really like that. It, it felt like we were there with him, you know. Yeah, yeah it's good stuff. Um, and then we finally get to understand why Doctor Sleep, what it is, why why that's the name of the title, why he's called Doctor Sleep. He's he's at hospice. He's helping another guy who's about to die. The cat goes to him, uh, and then he's like, "Oh, Doctor Doctor Sleep." That's it's, blah, one blah, blah, the, yeah. it's one of those roll credit scene scenes. Like, ah, there he said it. He said the thing. It's Doctor Sleep. It's the title of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why it's called Doctor Sleep because he he works at this hospice, and when he comes to see you, you're gonna die. Well, yeah, That's the, the patients, you know, he's become, yeah, there's like a legend about him. And he's like, oh, when Dr. Sleep comes to visit you, you know, your yeah. time's up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how that got from Bugs Bunny and some other stuff to where, where we got in the film, it is what it is. So, <laughs> sure. Uh, okay. So then we cut to the true knot again. And 
so Crow Daddy is talking with Rose, and they're all basically they're all collectively hungry. The mm-hmm. whole group they haven't been able to feed as much as they want. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the one was Uncle Flick or something like that. Uh, Grandpa Flick, yeah. Grandpa Flick, yeah. Grandpa Flick, he's he's actively dying. <laughs> God, God bless Mike Flanagan because there's there's no way there's no way this guy's not a Twin Peaks fan that he would have cast the fireman from Twin Peaks to be Grandpa Flick. There's no yeah. fucking way that guy doesn't really act. So he, he's been, you know, I, I I he was in like Men in Black one, the first one. Um, he's well, been in some well, big stuff. I mean, yeah, sure, sure. Back then, sure. Yeah, 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 during the kind of like peak of that, of that. But like to bring him out of obscurity. Uh, after oh, and he's a Mike Flanagan guy. He's he's yeah. in a lot of his stuff. That's he's in, so great. He's in Gerald's Gerald's game. Oh, I'm uh, so yeah. happy. I'm so happy. I'm just glad. <laughs> I, I love you know anything that like resembles Lynch to me is just a good thing. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, Crow Daddy is trying to find this guy in Iowa. This kid who's got. Really steamy, got a lot of steam, um, and they almost found him. So then they, we we cut to this this uh, <laughs> the scene is Adar Iowa has yeah. a baseball game. They're playing baseball, and then it's like this guy number nineteen, Bradley Trevor is his name, played by mm-hmm. the great Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> Seriously, I was just like one of, oh, one of the it's that kid. One of the great one of the great child actors of his time. Jacob Absolutely. Tremblay deserves Absolutely. a lot of credit. Yeah, um, and he's their target. He is their mm-hmm. target. He's got. And there's this, you know, this interesting conversation where these people are like, "Oh yeah, number nineteen, he's so good. Yeah, he's really. It's like he can read people's minds. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> he can read the pitcher's mind. He's gonna be really good one day. It's like, oh, yeah. no, he's he's gonna die. Yeah. Um. So they, and it's like, okay, in 2019, do you let your kid walk alone, at, like anywhere? Solid really? point. Solid point. But the, the 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 scenery. So it's Iowa, right? Like the way yeah. that they set that area up where it's just fields and then a baseball field with like 20 people there kind of gives you the sense that like maybe we are in the 50s <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> like it took my mind off of the fact that yeah. this is supposed to be present day because then I mean, yeah he's yeah. he's walking home through a fucking field by himself <laughs> like on the side of the road and it's just yeah. like nothing in road and like fucking like plants or you know yeah. like i'm pretty sure they have cars in iowa well, <laughs> I mean, I don't really care a lot about that. I mean, that's no, just yeah. I, I didn't think about it much. You know, again, these these people are so powerful. They could have like, you know, oh, they they could have yeah, do just, anything. They could have just told dad to take a walk. You know, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Yeah, but I think um, visually, it's it's more interesting. I guess this way. Yeah, it it is very like creepy. Um, so then they they pull up next to him. Um, what's her name? Andy like persuades him to get into the car. And then the next scene, well, it's night. And they, with yeah. Well, with that, I'm magic. just saying, like her, yeah, her power, yeah. like, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's how I would define it. it's the power, or like you know, push, push her or whatever. Mm-hmm, like she has the power mm-hmm. persuasion. Um, mm-hmm. That's something we've seen in some other media. Um, yeah, notably, yeah. Uh, it, it I, rings a bell. Yeah. Well, and you're gone. <laughs> yeah, I'm gone. Whoa, <laughs> like a silhouette now. Uh, okay. So anyway, so yeah, she, <laughs> I'll come back at some point. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Okay, there we go. So yeah, she persuades him. He gets in the he gets in the truck. Cut to later on. Uh, it's nighttime. They sort the shit out of this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they fucking like they 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 chain him to some stakes, and Rose just fucking tortures the shit out of him. As the depraved psychopath lunatic that I am. Uh, I th- this this scene goes on. Maybe it's a director's cut thing, but the scene goes long longer than you would expect it to. 
which is effective. But again, as that psychopath, for whatever reason, and the kid gets all bloodied up and he's screaming the whole time and he's crying and it's like, eh, it's terrible, terrible shit. But it didn't satisfy my bloodlust for some reason. <laughs> it just didn't feel like... <laughs> you wanted more? No, I didn't want more. It just Holy like... Holy shit. <laughs> I didn't want more. No, it's just like... You want to see the kid's arm get bitten off or something. <laughs> yeah, something, you know, like... I don't know. It it felt more in line still, still, despite how violent and brutal it was, it still felt more aligned with the Stephen King child <laughs> fantasy book version of that murder than the Stanley Kubrick version of that murder. Because whatever the Stanley Kubrick version of that murder, that kid probably would get like literally eaten alive or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it was good though. It was good. This, if listen, if you're into depraved child murder, this movie will do it for you for sure. Yeah, um, and again, a great performance from Jacob Tremblay. God, uh, he's, yeah. he's really Terrible. good in, in seeing this this torture play out. Um, and and they, again, it's it's more world building. It's like, oh, but wait, but if we torture him longer, we'll get more steam get and more you know, steam. all this shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's yeah. But, um, but it just didn't. It doesn't quite fit for me though, because to me, the not like yes, they're they're magic vampires that feed off of like children. I understand that, and that's a horrifying thing if you really think about it for more than two seconds. But like they they just seem to me like magic gypsies, and like they don't pose that much of a threat. <laughs> like the way that they look and the way that they act and that's, with each other. They, yeah, like, yeah, they're they're very yeah, they're very gypsies. They basically have a bunch of RVs and like a, a fucking jeep, just, and yeah, they just roam around. Yeah, they're you know? vampire hippies or gypsies or whatever you want to call them. They didn't – viscerally, they're not terrifying to me. So, like, even while they're torturing this child, it felt like, oh, yes, the steam. Mm. Like, it just felt a little uh, fantastical. And I just couldn't quite get that, like – because what he was going for with murdering that child is, like, pure horror. And I was still getting the over-the-top kind of, like, mm, yes, the steam. And for whatever reason, that just didn't work for me. That's that. That's what I mean by the child murder. Like I'm not. I'm not saying it didn't. Like oh, I want to see more. I just it didn't quite connect. Those two worlds didn't quite connect. Like the pure horror and the Stephen King fantasy didn't quite connect for me in that scene. Yeah, this was definitely more fantastical. Um, yeah. But he, I think, I think if you had a different actor, it would have felt pure fantasy. But because I got Jacob oh, Tremblay, yeah. he sells it he so sells hard. the shit out of it, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he sells really it does. so hard. Holy yeah. shit, does he sell this scene? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say this is like one of the one of the most memorable scenes in this film. For Absolutely. Sure. One well, way it's, and it's yeah. and it's a very it's like the linchpin for the rest of the movie. It's it's like yeah. truly the midpoint. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so Abra feels this event happen. Um, and then she's able to, like, sort of look in and watch and see what's happening. Um, the others can't feel it, but um, Rose can. Yeah, she gets, like, um, a sense of it. Yeah, she's like, oh, ooh. Um, and then she, like, has a fucking nightmare of this Jacob Tremblay getting killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, she, you know, her parents, she's like, ah! In, in the bed and her parents like oh my god are you okay yeah and she like causes the house to shake or something too or or some something she yeah happens. later on they so yeah later on she not the house like like that part of new york oh okay yeah 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 that's what <laughs> yeah. <it is. laughs> I, was, I was trying to reconcile that because like in my mind it made sense but i don't think we see it 
So when they're talking about like, oh, did you really like shake a whole neighborhood? And I'm like, I think she did. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah, they, there's this uh, scene later on where Crodaddy is talking to Rose and they're like, oh, I looked at this right. news report and they said in New York there was an earthquake, but there was no seismic activity. Yeah. That's so what she it is. has yeah. to live there. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And so Abra then sends a message to Danny on his um, whiteboard. Board. Yeah. <laughs> Red rum. At least that's what he sees when he's looking in the mirror. But dude, uh, as far as the fans and I, and I knew at this point in the movie, like after after the Bruce Greenwood office scene, I knew that like it was just pure fan service. But like, and I knew this was fan service. But dude, I got the chills when seeing that scene. It's 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 it just plays on that. You know, like I've seen The Shining so many times, and I love that movie so much. So to see a version of Danny Torrance, see Red Rum in the mirror again. And especially at this point in his life when he had put all that behind him was a really powerful. Yeah. Powerful and it's moment. catching up to him. And, and again, that's like the central problem for his character. He's trying to kind of get away from those, the past, yeah. but he can't. And yeah. it keeps coming back to him. Like he didn't ask to like, you know, be friends with Abra or no Abra or, or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, she just kind of reached out and felt him because she was another, he was another person. Yeah. Like on his level, basically. On her you know, level, what's, basically. you know, what's funny. A quick aside. I've watched The Shining many times and I've watched it with many people and always consistently the parts about The Shining that I don't like is the part where Scatman Carruthers is explaining The Shining to them. They're like, Man, there's, there's, a couple, there's many people who shine and you got the shine. And I'm just like, I don't fucking care. Go back go back to the Jack Torrance stuff. So, yeah. so the fact and that this I, movie you know was able to keep me on the hook as long as it did was impressive. Yeah, yeah. and Stanley Kubrick didn't care about it either. Like he, he didn't, he, he probably had no interest in that. But yeah. the, I mean, the film is like, great it's creepy and scary of course of course yeah. of course but that's what it's <laughs> like I, I i'm shaped by that so this movie trying doing so much of the fantastical stephen king stuff it's like 80 percent that um, <laughs> is is it was surprising to me that I, it got me to care a lot more than because trust me I, I don't like the stuff i don't care about the shining uh in that yeah, way yeah 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 but it was good um, yeah so like i was saying rose and crowdaddy they 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 know that she was look like rose calls her a looker or whatever like she's able to look mm-hmm. in and mm-hmm. remote view and stuff um and so then they're i mean that's what it is is <laughs> remote, remote desktop i'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna check your computer yeah. for viruses yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um they decide that they're gonna try and find her and, and harvest her because they think that she's like a whale she's like super super powerful super steamy uh and then we get to see more of from Abra's perspective again her parents they <laughs> Say like, see no here, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. There's all this mm-hmm. weird stuff that their daughter does, but they don't want to talk about it because, like, right. how do you say? Oh yeah, by the way, my daughter has psychic powers, and oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know what she can do, but like when she was a kid, she could do this. Now she can you're, do that. They're all going to the loony bin. Yeah, yeah you don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> so they just kind of there's this interesting thing where they don't talk explicitly about it, but they know that she has these powers, mm-hmm. and. There's this other kind of interesting subplotish kind of thing that happens with the mom. The mom's going to see the grandma who's dying, and the mom kind of asks Abra, like, "Oh, is she going to make it?" Blah blah blah. Um, that's I only. That I feel like pretty yeah, effective. I thought that was pretty effective uh, in telling us everything you just said. That like the parents know about it, but they don't really talk about it. Because I was, I was wondering. I was like, at this point. Abra's like kind of really powerful and I'm sure she does this shit all day every day so like the parents <laughs> know about they it know. but like to what extent so the the mom asking that like that question because it's it's a very relatable thing of like oh I'm gonna go visit grandma and grandma's not doing well is she gonna pull through this time that that added on to it I was like oh they know they know 
It's cool. Yeah, they know. Um, <laughs> so it's funny. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's almost like knowing someone yeah, or like insider trading or something. It's like, you kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, so, you know, are you guys, is, is the stock going to go down? Are you guys, what are mm-hmm. the quarterly reports going to look like? They're looking yeah, yeah. But stuff, but stuff, you know, it's yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, but that, go see, that's, go see grandma. Yeah. Go see grandma. Yeah. Go to regret it if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but that seems also interesting because later on, uh, something happens with the dad and that's why the mom does not have anything happen to her. So she's away. The mom's away. Yeah. That's the other reason for that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we get more stuff with Abra, like Abra is trying to find out, she, she just can't get this thing out of her head, this whole Bradley Trevor situation. So she's at school and we see that she can read people's minds. Um, and then she finds, she's just like searching the internet. She finds Bradley Trevor, finds his picture. She goes home and she like, I forget there's like a term, mental projection or something like that. So she takes the picture and she's able to like find where it was that he died and like see the event through his eyes. So she sees Iowa, she sees the industrial factory where they took her, where they took him and killed him. Um, Then she like, yeah. Assuming, I'm assuming in the book, they explain more of the mechanics of how this stuff works. Uh, but I'm I'm kind of happy that the movie doesn't really dwell on it too much. It just kind of again just visually presents you with these things, and it's like because of this, she's able to do this. Go with it. She's really powerful. You yeah. already we've already established that she's really powerful. Go with it. I appreciate that about this movie because if they were to stop and slow down and go through the mechanics of the way that like everybody's shine works, that would have really really slowed it down. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then she like uh, so then April like. Basically, I forget what she does. I think there's some object she takes or something, and she's she's like able to tap into like Rose's mind, and she's like actually seeing her, yeah, Rose, where she's at some shopping mall or well, something. It's like, is it, was it like the the baseball glove of one of the guys or something, or is that is that later? This is before that. Yeah, this is this is oh, before okay. that. Um, yeah, I the, don't remember how she is able to project into Rose's mind, but she yeah, was, she she projects into her mind, and then Rose is like, oh, hi there. <laughs> Like literally, I think that's basically what she said. Yeah. And then, and then she like she's able to because again, Rose is very powerful too. She's able to like touch her through their connection that they have at yeah. that moment, uh, and that freaks Abra out. And then she pushes, um, she pushes Rose out of her. Yeah. And you see her in the in this um, in the supermarket just like fly back and like you know, yeah. It was a uh, visually very, very yeah visually very very scary creepy too. Because like at this point again, like you've, you're just kind of going along with like these people are fucking around in each other's heads. But when she touches her, in like you're like, oh, that's not supposed to happen. Ah, she's touching a little girl. It feels weird, you know. So it was creepy. It was effective. Yeah, especially considering that they want to harvest her, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, cool stuff. And yeah, I think I feel like you really just did a great job with all of this stuff. All of I know. the the powers. Again, you want to talk about gargantuan <laughs> task. First, so at the at the at the absolute highest level, you're marrying Stephen King with Stanley Kubrick. This guy <laughs> hates what this guy did, but you're trying to keep them both happy. Well, you're trying to keep the audience of the first one happy, and you're trying to keep this guy happy. And then underneath all of that is like the the day to day grunt work of being a director and coming up with all these visually interesting things of doing all of this crazy shit. So I think, yeah, considering the task, I think he did a phenomenal job. Yeah, it's really great. Um... So then we get to the next chapter. So chapter four, four, uh, turn world. So Abra um, <laughs> decides to cut class to meet with Danny. And so she just, yeah, she, yep. <laughs> man. And I, I really liked to like the way they handle the situation. So she, she, she gets in a bus, she goes to 
New Hampshire or whatever, uh, meets with him. Um, and then Danny's like, dude, look, you're a, you're, you're, you're a like teenage black girl and I'm an old white dude. This is not okay. <laughs> yeah. This is not okay at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's like, oh no, it's okay. Just, you're my uncle Dan. It's like, yeah. uh, sure. Okay, sure. <laughs> sure. No, that, no, that, that's, that's necessary because the whole time I was thinking of like, the fuck is Billy going to think about this? You know, like he's going to, yeah, Billy sees him, right? He's going to ask, like he's yeah. going to ask, like what is, so like, I'm glad they put that line in there. You're my uncle Dan. Cause that's like a decent enough excuse. Yeah. 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 Cause they, again, you know, they do have this connection. And so then they have this conversation about, about, uh, Bradley Trevor, who got killed <clears throat> and she's like, Hey, look, I want to basically find these people who did it and stop. Them. Um, and Danny's like, no, don't do that. Don't shine. Uh, because oh, right. they will come after you and they will not stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, but then later Dick Halloran comes back to, to Danny and he tells her, he tells him, Hey, look, you, you know, I helped you when you were a kid, understand the shining. You need to help her and pay it forward. Yeah. And this is the last time you're ever going to see me, too. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. Made sense. Pretty yeah, effective. So, yeah. So that kind of changes his mind a little bit, uh, Danny. But then, so... But not really completely. Changes, yeah, yeah, not completely. He's still like, eh, I don't know. That's how characters work, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what's cool, too, is like... Um, Danny says to her this line, like, the world's a hungry place. And, like, you know, basically there are these things out there that – because he's used to it, right? He's used yeah. to, like, all these fucking ghosts just show up in his life and they're – Presumably I mean, he sees other people's ghosts too. So he's just yeah. like, I'm, yeah. Shut, yeah. Just, I'm numb to it. I'm shutting myself away from yeah. it. Now. Yeah, yeah, And, like, you know, another great uh, metaphor that he uses is, like, he says that the, they're, they're like a – it's like a, they're like a radio, right? They can mm-hmm. get all these signals and if you broadcast yourself out for these signals, you're going to get all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And again, well, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Is not, is not is that not how it was explained in the in the first movie? Is didn't they use that analog? I, I'm pretty sure they do because the, there's a whole thing in the first movie where like the radio stops working or in in the Overlook, and then like Scatman Carruthers is probably like, "You're the radio, Danny." I think that's a thing. I could be remembering wrong. Okay. Yeah. So they go back to that analogy here. Um, and that's important because again, Dick Halloran in the in that first scene with Danny when he was a kid talks about like how, you know, he, he uses this analogy like they're they're like uh, they're like mosquitoes to like a pool of blood. Mm-hmm. These things that mm-hmm. are attracted to people that have the shining because it's such a powerful and you know, when you get into more of the like overarching large S- Stephen King universe, beings that have the shining are very rare and they're very coveted and they're exploited by negative, you know people almost it's almost like talented people in the real world get exploited by less talented people all the time <laughs> or people yeah. with no talent <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah so i think he does a good job of creating some type of way for us to understand what the what that what is the shining right yeah i mean that that's really what this film should be the the shining a, a in-depth explanation <laughs> Yes and no. I mean, again, I'm glad that they tell us things that it can do or it can't do or how, but it doesn't really – or not necessarily – sorry. It doesn't tell us 
how i mean it does in some instances but i feel like only you only ever get to see it kind of happen like i don't think there's ever like a really really in-depth conversation about like the mechanics of it you just know you can do this you can't do this or maybe you can i don't know there's people that are more powerful there's different like power levels like it's dragon ball z or something so yeah well i i think i think the best way to put it is like different people can do different things and have specialization so like andy mm -hmm. is good at persuasion Rose is good at a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Amber's good that, at a lot of different things. Yeah. From that aspect, yeah, they do explain a lot. They do. Like they do. Crow Daddy is good at good at tracking people. He can find yeah. someone from some small thing. Yeah. But um, again, it's not like in the medical in the metaphysical plane, there's the there's the midichlorians and that's how the shining works. Like they, they don't do that. But thank God. <laughs> yeah, metachlorians and you know what I'm you know what I'm trying that's, to say. That's a big oof. That's yeah. a big oof. Okay, so back to the plot. So Rose decides. So now Cordaddy gives him gives her this information about like basically where exactly about she is, uh, because they they have that information where like there was an earthquake without any seismic activity. Yeah. So at, at night, Rose does an astral projection to find Abra. So we get this cool scene where she like projects and we see her in the clouds and she's flying and she lands. So cool, dude. So yeah, cool. I love that so, shit. I love that shit because again, it goes back to the whole of like, if we were to do a sequel to The Shining, let's let's pretend it's 1985 or whatever. <laughs> uh, Jack Nicholson doesn't want to do it. He fucking, he will not sign on to do it. You know, Shelley Duvall doesn't want to sign on to do it. You, what would you do in that in that era? You would just recast them. You would go ahead and do it anyways. I mean, fucking, they did 2010, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah. The, and the 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 way that the that this movie affects a uh, sorry approaches effects is what I'm trying to say is very like retro or in that kind of psychedelic late 70s way of like they they just get really inventive with camera moves and. Uh, not necessarily green screens, but like backgrounds and moving things and stuff. It doesn't go crazy CG. Like it doesn't feel like a Harry Potter movie, which it very easily could be. I think um, it 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 tries to maintain that like late seventies cinematic language of of this stuff being weird and like kind of whizzing you out a little bit. And I appreciated that a lot about this movie. I really like this scene a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, like the the way just all the visual language stuff that he builds is so brilliant. Because they could have looked like um, like Spider-Man Far From Home, like that mysterious scene. Like they could have done that. They could have just done wacky, wacky effects, crazy, everything spiraling. But they did it in like a very kind of staged like way, which I really, yeah, like you said, like I really like it. The visual language is, is consistent because they're clearly trying to do Kubrick. So they're, they're paying that forward. Mm -hmm. So she gets into Abra's mind. Um, and again, this is more of the the Stephen King world building stuff like what someone's mind and mind is like when mm -hmm. you access it psychically and um again like i was talking about uh dream catcher where <laughs> fucking that, dream. that's a thing where, where, where an alien is in someone <laughs> when an, al an alien takes over someone's mind and we have <laughs> shots from the person in their mind in the back seat yeah like fucking get out like I don't know, it's pretty cool yeah but but yeah. so what's interesting is he basically uses the same stuff that um, that that Lawrence Cosden did in that to depict yeah. the mental landscape where it's just your 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 mind is like a bunch of files or the way that uh, Rose d defines hers she's so old that her mind is a cathedral it's of a memories cathedral. yeah yeah and that, so that's so smart because it's a th it's it feels like a throwaway line and then visually. 
we know for the I think it's only one shot when uh, what's her face Abra is in Rose's yeah. mind, but it looks like a cathedral, and then the viewer is able to be like, "Oh yeah, they said it's that. her mind." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 um, Rose tries to get into her mind and like read her mind and like read her thoughts. And I think she was trying to implant. Yeah, they had talked about earlier. This is another Great thing that was dude. Yeah. Incept, yeah, she's trying to incept her. Yeah, uh, it's a trap. Sorry, Admiral Akbar, it's a trap. Um, Abra was waiting for her, so then she steals her thoughts, steals Rose's thoughts. <laughs> Again, and, it's it's Mission Impossible with yeah, the with vampire gypsies. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Rose has to like try to get out of there and she's stumbling and she gets hurt and like her hand gets clamped and she's like, ah, and then she flies out of her mind. It's really cool. Like she's tumbling. And yet, and yet this is still the sequel to the shining. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I thought the scene was really well done. This whole thing. I, it's, yeah. it's like my favorite part of the movie. Just like the way that they show the, the, the astral projection, the, the fact that he built upon this, this stuff that's already been established. That's very Stephen King about like what's it, what it's like to be inside of someone's mind, the cathedral of memories. The ca- mm-hmm. I just I love all that. I love and that's all why, that. And that's why I think when I was saying earlier that Mike Flanagan seems to me to be like the guy that gets Stephen King these days is that clearly he's done his homework, not only just in reading the books and adapting all of these little things, but like the the language that has been established, like the cinematic stuff, right? Like it's like you said, like this dude's seen Dreamcatcher. Like he's seen he 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 understands like what has led up to this point in terms of Stephen King adaptations. And he's like really, really, really doing a good job with it. Um so I think like he's absolutely gonna keep doing Stephen King movies if you know where he's still able to make movies going forward. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then, you know, Rose is, like, pissed off. She gets angry very easily whenever she's she's interacts with someone more powerful than her. She's, yeah. she's like, mad and petulant. Uh, but Grandpa Flick is dying. Mm-hmm. But what they call cycling. Cycling is the, the world-building term for a psychic vampire that dies. Yeah. Um, and so he's he he dies, and then he turns into steam. That's how they die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I think cycling is is unless there's something that the movie didn't tell me. Cycling to me seems like what they they call it because, you know, they live tens of thousands of years or whatever. But uh, in the in the same way, the people who die on on Dr. Sleep's watch, they're also cycling. Right. But they're just um, because I believe there's a line in there somewhere where it's just like, don't worry about it. Like nobody ever really dies or whatever. It's like, we're all just, we're, we're, we're turning into something else, you know? So they say cycling mm-hmm. without using the word cycling. So, yeah, I think, I think, so Danny and Abra both say like, there's something after death. There's something after. Yeah. Yes. Whereas the vampires like already know, like they're cycling, they're going back up and whatever. It's like the whole, <laughs> it's the whole, like uh, not a reincarnation thing, but it's just like the cycle of life, you know? Yeah, there, there's some, there's some deep level. But there like, has to be some kind of lore that, like, the movie just yeah. is like, fuck it, I'm not doing this. <laughs> there's some, like, when you get, and I, I kind of, I don't know, this, this got me watching this again, made me want to watch that. They did this terrible Dark Tower adaptation. Oh, um, Jesus Christ! And the dark, the okay, the Dark Tower is like humongous. Yeah, it, it, like it, it is. Yeah, it is humongous, and like that's when you really draw into like the big stuff. Um, and you know, it kind of got chapter two kind of got into that. Like there are these like cosmic entity level stuff mm-hmm. in his universe that lords over everything. Uh, and I think that's kind of, but like when, the more you get into that, the more you're like, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> 
You know what all this, all this Stephen King uh, kind of revival stuff reminds me of is that they're all doing all of these things that are part of a connected universe, but they're never connected because they're made by different studios or they're made at different levels or whatever. This kind of reminds me of like the late 90s, early 2000s boom of like Marvel movies where like all of the like X-Men was being made and Spider-Man was being made and Daredevil was being made and fucking Elektra and like all these things. And they're all technically part of a connected universe, right? Because Wilson Fisk is in Daredevil, but he's in Spider-Man in the comic books. Fantastic Four was another 2000s Marvel movie. But none of them had the, the, the foresight or like the... The, the stuff wasn't in place for them to be a connected universe, whereas the MCU kind of did that or did part of that. And I feel like we're in the early 2000s stage of Stephen King movies where like they're marketable and they're profitable, but nobody really has the, the, the foundation isn't in place yet for one studio to just kind of keep it all together. Because like a Dark Tower movie should be like the big like the Avengers, right? of of the Stephen King shit yeah. but like it's also disconnected and it kind is. of you know so that's a that's a great pain and sadness for somebody yeah. who, who enjoys cinematic universes and yeah I, I was watching that movie earlier today and like there's there's maybe like 20 30 minutes that kind of works and like again there's so much fan service there's like oh we're going to universe 1408 and like oh my god that was the name of this thing blah 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 and like mm-hmm. but like most people wouldn't know what the hell yeah. that yeah. meant it would totally, like, totally go over their head. Um, but there, but there's some cool stuff there. But, like, the world building that he does on that level is so large. And what's interesting is I feel like Flanagan does it really well here. Yeah. All this world building stuff that you would need for something like that to work, he's doing it so well here where we just get it. We don't mm-hmm. need to be, you know, told it. It doesn't need to be super expository. Yes, exactly. They're yeah. these psychic vampires. They yeah. and when they die, they cycle. They turn into steam, and you see this guy die, and then all these other vampires eat the steam that comes yeah. from him. And that just like again, whoa. like a, a less talented again. filmmaker would have gotten lost in the sauce a little bit, and would have just been like, "Oh, there's so much detail that I need to get across, so I'm just gonna have someone say it, or I'm gonna have it written down in a book somewhere, and someone discovers it." And this this does a good job of kind of sprinkling it throughout, you know, with with the cinematic language. Yeah, like you said. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we don't get good things in the Stephen King universe yet. We just get not yet, these but good, I, small I, things. But. I feel like this is one of the guys that would be at the forefront of that initiative, I think. If the, if the studios were to get together magically and all agree on, on something for once. But yeah, I think he, he would absolutely be one of the guys they would tap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I'd love to see a good Dark, dark Tower adaptation sure. at some point yeah. um will it happen who knows uh <laughs> um, at, the, at this point who fucking knows <laughs> yeah at this point at this if, point if, if, Bla- if black if widow anything. if black widow is incapable of coming out the stephen king universe movie is ways off <laughs> yeah it's ways off dude yeah unfortunately um okay so after the after grandpa flick cycles and dies and they all use steam um basically at this point Danny talks with um, Abra and she's like, you know, I got into her head, this this and that. And at this point he has to, he has to decide if he's going to help her or not. And he decides to help her. So Mm -hmm. Danny and Billy, they're going to go and they're going to drive to Iowa and find Bradley's body. Um, And so then they go there, Abra directs them where he was left and they dig up his body in a shallow grave. And we see this, you know, the body and and, and this is this is uh right before this point is that point of like 
Because that's it's a huge leap of faith for someone like Billy to just be like, all right, so listen, long story short, you know, gypsy vampires exist and I'm talking to this little girl. So, like, <laughs> it, it's great that they, they have that moment where they're like, you, you've always been able to see me. Just please help yeah, me out. Yeah. Billy is he, he 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 really is that guy. Like, there's nothing fake about Billy. Like, he he's going to go to the ends of the earth for you, you know? Even if he thinks you're insane, like, he'll he'll see it through just so you can get the help that you need kind of a thing. So, yeah. I like that. Yeah, there's this good conversation where he's like, you know, like, okay, if you're wrong, like, you're crazy. Right. You're full-blown crazy. Like, you believe in gypsy vampires exactly. and goblins. And, yeah, and that's well, a problem. But <laughs> if you're right... Yeah. <laughs> it's actually worse, I yeah. would say, because if you're crazy, yeah. okay, you're crazy. We can yeah. we can get you help. Exactly. But if if there's really psychic vampires, yeah, We're I don't fun. know what that means for the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and, and they do. They find so. Okay, so here's a question: What do you think of like so? Billy's digging him up, and then he gives this anecdote about when he was hunting. Yeah. Uh, did that work for you, or was it just like no. seem? <laughs> no, it did. it's a little it random. Went... Which, which sucks because like I want to like Billy and I wanted more Billy in this movie and not to I mean whatever we're gonna probably get through it but like he 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 dies a little bit later on in the movie and it should have been a, a big moment for me well, I don't know if for the movie but especially for me because I was so attached to this character but I just feel like we didn't get too much of Billy's backstory and I think that story was the attempt to build more of Billy and yeah. in movies or in uh, I watch a lot of uh, what they call prestige TV so like whatever big Netflix shows or HBO shows or whatever and a lot that that's something that they do a lot in those kinds of scenes series where we don't have a lot of time maybe to spend with these characters but we'll we'll spend 10 minutes of them telling a story from their past or whatever uh and none of that shit ever works for me i don't like it i'm not saying it cannot work but i i don't care for it because we have to really like stuff is happening visually constantly and we're going forward forward and now we have to stop and like mentally think about this guy's story and it it just didn't i didn't really care for it yeah that's probably just a me thing yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's I, why it exists. Yeah, it, it does feel a little kind of tacked on. It doesn't – I don't know. It doesn't give me what I want to know about him. Yeah, exactly. There, there, I almost feel like what's what's more is like there's this, there's this very brief conversation he has with the doctor where he talks about his brother and his brother's like gone or something. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, yeah, he's he's a good kid and at some point he'll come back. And so that that yeah. kind of tells you more like that his fa- he has familial problems with – Yeah whatever alcoholism drug addiction blah 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 well the problem with billy as a as a character is that or it just rather in in developing him is that he he doesn't have a scene by himself or with just him and another character in the whole movie like danny is in every single scene that he's in so it which is fine i understand that like that's kind of how a lot of these side characters work is they're there to build up to prop up the the main character in one way or another um but like, yeah, to just like to to take time away from the plot for you know five ten minutes or whatever to just talk to Billy or just to listen to him was was I mean it's necessary I guess but it didn't really work for me. Mm-hmm. So they they um I think that then at this point they we were into the next chapter chapter five it's called Parlor Tricks. Um, so then they're going to meet with Abra. So they they bring this uh, the glove that that um, mm-hmm. that he had her and then there's this whole thing with the dad and the dad's like hey you you know i mean it makes sense like what is this fifth year old white dude doing talking to my 13 year old black daughter yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like like (laughs) (laughs) but then like you know she she shows him like shows him the truth 
mentally projects the, the what she's seen into his into her dad's head for the first time um and then basically they're like so, okay so there's there's some things about the scene that are interesting and don't totally work for me so he goes on so like the dad's like okay i'm calling the cops and billy and and danny's like no no you can't call the cops these people they're powerful and they don't <laughs> they don't care about you know anything and no one can blah 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 i'm like uh, well, these, they're a bunch of, like you said, they're like some fucking roving band of random mm-hmm. people. They're not powerful. They're not rich for sure. I mean, they are psychically powerful, but, um, I wouldn't say that the problem with trying to stop them by calling the cops is that they're like, well, connected in the government. No. And that's like what they, what he made it out to be. And I was like, mm. is that what he made it out to be? It's, I thought that's he just said like to me, oh, okay. No, to me, it felt like he just said they're powerful like psychically, like they're powerful in a way, like not connected to the government order. But like, if if you were to send the cops after them, then they would just kill they the kill cops, them. and like you mm-hmm. don't want that, right? Or or whatever the case may be. Um, and also, but like at the same time, the for me, the reason that's a little weird is that like the dad knows that his daughter has these powers, but this is like a new thing. So within five minutes, I don't, th- I I think he's so confused in his mind that he would call the cops regardless. I don't think he would just believe the fifty year old man that showed up with his daughter off the just off the bat no matter what believes him that vampire gypsies exist i think he needed a little bit more convincing before we got to the don't call the cops yeah because you want to keep the cops out of the situation from a story perspective but i think that he could have because the audience is going to think about that that's why the audience is like why didn't you call the cops (laughs) so that's why that probably that conversation's in there yeah yeah exactly um i don't know that was something that kind of why did they take their helmet off when they got to the alien planet Uh. (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, okay, so then then uh, Abra is able to use her psychometry, so she like is able to like touch the the glove and see the guy who took his glove where he's at currently, and they see that they're driving to New Hampshire. So they set a trap for him. Um, they go to Abra and Danny and uh, Billy. They go to some location. The Trunat shows up. They come there. Um, and Abra's not really there. She's actually at home. Mm-hmm. And so then Danny and Billy, they just fucking blast these people. Yeah, shoot a very, bunch of them. Very uh, <laughs> cathartic. <laughs> these are just ripping into the... And again, they had... Again, going back to Billy's story, like, it also... It serves the plot in that Billy has guns. We And he knows how to shoot guns. So there's that. <laughs> so we don't have to explain how, why these guys are like expert marksmen. Danny, yeah. I don't understand why he's an expert marksman, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, he's because he's yeah, hitting those really, shots, man. He's yeah, you know. Yeah, he's he's hit shot, boom, yeah, hit yeah, shot. Yeah, 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 he's killing them. He's taking them out. <laughs> um, but then, unfortunately, Billy dies because uh, Andy, like, you know, tells him to kill himself. Right man, before and she I dies. knew that was gonna happen too. I was just like, oh fuck, she's gonna do it, and then she did, and then it happens really fast in that like that shocking movie way, not quite in the Departed way, but like similar. And you're just like, fucking no, uh. Like, <laughs> I, uh I, yeah. It was almost it was almost super effective if we had just spent maybe ten more minutes with Billy, but I know we don't have time for that, and I understand that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then but then um, Crow Daddy knew it was a trap, so he goes to the house gets abra <laughs> which at this out. point there's there's just so much mental double crossing going on that you're just kind of okay with it you're like oh i guess he knew about it. yeah i guess that makes sense you know yeah. it's 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 off the strength of the stuff that they've already set up that you buy into this stuff you know yeah like exactly. maybe on like a like a beat by beat basis you'd be like what the fuck how why yeah <laughs> you know yeah yeah and then you know Cordetti kills the dad there, there's yeah there's a lot and so now you know 
This was another and, moment. And, and, for Danny, and then right? Rose is like feeling all of this at the same time, and she's like, "Yes." Ow. But like, if you if if they stopped for a second, you'd be like, "Well, if Rose is Omega powerful and she could project it into this girl's house, like, why isn't she doing something?" You know, I don't I don't know if that's covered up uh, at all. But yeah, it's it's kind of you just go with it at this point. Yeah, you just go with it. I think. Um, yeah. Because yeah, that's that's the downside of like doing too much with the stuff. Because then. You don't have a lot of angles where you can actually get the plot to happen. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we need we need this to happen. We need to get through this. Yeah, we need to get through this shit because yeah. we have a third act. We're not Skill. even there yet, and it's yeah. like the third act is like crazy, interesting choices. So yeah. So Danny now he's at another turning point, and he's like he goes to Ever's house. Her dad's dead. He got stabbed in the chest by Crow Daddy. She's gone. Billy's dead. What's he gonna do? He thinks about drinking. Uh, but then he decides, okay, I'm not going to drink. I'm going to try and find Abra. And so then he opens his mind up and he tries to find her. She's in the backseat of this car and Crowdy is trying to drive her to New York. Uh, Danny then goes into her body and Crowdy and Danny have this conversation. And then he, <laughs> Danny makes him crash the car. He like, he like goes like, he controls it for a bit and then he crashes the car. Crowdy yeah. dies. I don't. I don't necessarily care for the gotcha moments in in movies and they do a, this a lot in like Marvel movies and like bigger kind of action movies like Mission Impossible and shit like that where they're like where there's like a one liner before the thing happens, you know, just like, ah, it's a typical uh, fitting. You wouldn't be wearing your seatbelt, would you? And he's like, what? And then, you know, he yeah, crashes yeah, the car. Yeah. Like, I don't really care for like I don't think that belongs in this movie at all. I think it would have been just probably more effective if he just crashed the car without doing the gotcha moment. Yeah, because um, it just feels like that just feels like a blockbuster thing to do. And I, I, I do think you probably want him to have a line just for audience satisfaction. I don't satisfaction. know if that's the best no, one. It, it, no, it is for yeah. sure. For sure. That's why it's there. But I just I would agree with you there. I think the movie is, is working so well at being just a, a notch above the rest in terms of like intelligent filmmaking that i don't think you needed that necessarily other than just yeah. for the, like the exec saw it and they were like ah i want to throw an extra line in there kind of a thing. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's fun yeah. it's fun i mean because like yeah i don't know that's the yeah thing. Um, it's, it's a fun thing to do like why not but i just i just think the movie doesn't necessarily need that yeah so um yeah he dies Rose is hella mad, and so she decides she's gonna eat all the steam and go Super Saiyan and kill him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it was such a stupid. It's not stupid, but like it was such a funny moment where like, ah, yes, we've reached this point in the in the episode yeah. where the villain juices up with the rest <laughs> of the juice. And- <laughs> I mean, straight up, she, she like yeah. she goes Super Saiyan. She eats like ten <laughs> senzu beans. She's like, "Fuck it, I'm killing these motherfuckers." She like she goes Super yeah. SSJ two, and they're only a Super yeah. Saiyan one, and it's like and that's why again, and that's why this is like this is the Stephen King movie and not the Shining sequel that I wanted or didn't think I was gonna get, regardless. To be honest, but yeah, this was more of that like ah yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm I'm cool with like. If she's gonna go Super Saiyan, and they, I, I want to see them, of course, like have it's a, a difficult thing to yeah. overcome. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we get to the part I think that's interesting to talk about with this film as decision and the whole the meta of The Shining and the book and everything. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna confront her at the Overlook Hotel. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're they're gonna so um, Danny and um, Abra drive to the Overlook Hotel, and Rose follows him. So that is a very interesting choice, right? To decide, yeah, we're going to sure. go back there. 
to do but, the end of the film. I feel like it was planted though throughout the movie. Uh, other than like, oh, it the, was for sure. It was, it was for sure. Planted, but again, yeah. that's another kind of. I so I think there's a again there's a metatextual reason why he does it to to kind of yeah. you know resolve some issues that that are, that happen between the book and the film, yeah. The Shining. Yeah. Um, but I you know again you kind of come to this. Is it too fan servicey? Does it really serve itself? You know right? what though? You know what though? Like this movie, in I believe, doesn't get greenlit unless this is part of your pitch. And you say the third act, we're gonna re, we're gonna redo the sets from The Shining, and you can use that in all your marketing, and you can use that in everything. Like I'm pretty sure that's a pretty big part of the pitch of like we're gonna we're gonna play on that nostalgia so fucking much, and but we're gonna sneak in the the sequel to the to the Stephen King sequel to The Shining while we're doing it. I think that's that's probably the re, the the main motivating factor, other than like I just want to I want to play in the Overlook. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, look, like there's some really cool stuff we get to, again. It's my favorite kind of, part of the movie. Yeah, it's very fan servicey. We get yeah the exact same kind of shots. Yeah, of the like the the flying camera, but it's at yeah. night of them driving up to the Overlook with yeah. the same music, and yeah. you know. Well, it's, I mean, it is the same shots, I think. Yeah, they just like. Yeah, it's at night though. Um, they, well, they right, but they they, they, just, they reuse it and then they CGI'd it or whatever to make it night. Because I yeah. read about that. There's like three it's shots. Color corrected. Yeah. yeah, there's three shots that they reused uh, from the original, and they just made them night and then added snow or whatever. So, and on the meta level, again, this is this is interesting because in the Shining book, the first book, at the end of the film, at the end of the book. Um, he uh jack burns down the overlook yeah so in the first book the overlook is gone already Mm -hmm. so you can't really have the way that they do this ending in the sequel uh dr sleep book because at that point in the stephen king universe that overlook is already gone yeah uh they do i think that i'm pretty sure they do meet up there yeah, and they do. have the battle there. From from what I've read, yeah, yeah, they do. They but they do it on the on the campground that used to be the Overlook. Yeah, what used to be the Overlook. Yeah. Um, so it's similar, but again, there's this metatextual thing where they're where he's trying to he's trying to marry these two ideas and create one overarching, yeah, thing for us as fans to sort of say, okay, now it all is complete between well, the he, two in a way. Yeah, true. But he he's, he is trying to marry these two. But I think above that. He's he's doing shot for shot the shining, and I like that's a choice too. Yes, <laughs> you know, yes, like it's yes. not just he's not trying to he's not doing the shining but slightly different. He's just doing the shining at that point, and very much so going all the way down to the final battle, the way that everything's positioned. Again, he's doing the shot for shot thing like he did in the office with Bruce Greenwood, like, but but within the context of this new story. So I don't know. I I feel like it, it was a little too much. It's still my favorite part of the movie for the reasons that I've already beat you over the head with that. I just don't care about the Stephen King fantastical stuff. I never have. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's well done for what it is, but I do think it's a little too much in particular. There's one shot where Rose arrives at the overlook and she looks at the elevators and the, you know, the, the, the blood, the blood comes it's unnecessary too much, too, too, too much. But that, again, does, that, kinda... that has no meaning to her. She just kind of sees yeah. it and smiles. You know? Well, I can, I can kind of justify that because again, she's a, she's a very, powerful force user as it were um so that's just that's how people that have the shining interact with the hotel yeah yeah and that's why she saw it yeah 
No, yeah, I, understand, it's I understand. crazy. Yeah, I understand why she sees that, and it does work, and, and that she's cozy. And it is. It. it is fan service, but I, but I can justify that on a certain level because yeah. you know she's never been in the Overlook, and she doesn't understand it. She doesn't understand its power. And you, I mean, you yes, know. you can you can say all of these things, but like, let's be honest, it's there for fan service. Yeah, it's there for fan service. 100%. Yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that's why I think there's. I don't know. I to me, what doesn't work is there are certain moments we'll get into where it just I don't know. It just came off as goofy and weird. It's like okay, I don't. It just to me, it just borders a a, a little bit too much. It, it devalues the shining for me a little bit. It's the thing where like um, whatever you want to think that the all of those symbols have a meaning in the shining within that story, right? Or if they don't, you know, they're put in there to kind of for the sake of that movie specifically. And when you take those things and you just kind of do them for the sake of doing them, or you do them just to be like, Hey, remember that thing? Ah, it feel it devalues it for me. Like in particular, the, um, what is it? Mrs. Massey comes up throughout this movie. It's a thing for Danny, but then, uh, Abra interacts with her at the end of the movie. And it's yes. just like, I feel like Mrs. Massey is a very specific manifestation or something that means very specific things to Jack or Danny and it doesn't belong <laughs> in the I don't need to see it you know basically what I'm trying to say is that just overusing the visual things if it devalues the original intent a little bit yeah yeah um okay <laughs> so yeah this is the final part chapter six what was forgotten uh so they get to the overlook Rose is coming Danny is going to go and wake up the hotel. So he goes, he's turning everything on, going into all the rooms. Mm-hmm. You know, again, fan service. He, he sees the room where his mom, you know, yeah. the famous act stuff. And then yeah. we get a flashback. We see Alex Esso as Wendy. Yeah, he's looking He's looking through it. That that marketing image, right? He's looking through the thing like Jack mm-hmm. Nicholson. Yeah. 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 We get to see all its stuff. And so then he goes into the, uh, the hotel. What is it? The, is it the ballroom, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. ballroom. Yeah, the, the ballroom yeah. with the bar. Yeah, and guess who's at the bar? It's his dad. It's his dad Jack. is now the bartender. Yeah, played played by everyone's favorite <laughs> Henry Thomas, aka Elliot. Mm-hmm. All grown up now. Mm-hmm. Um, not haven't seen him a lot recently. He is he is another Flanagan guy. He's in a lot yeah. of Flanagan yeah. stuff. Correct. Um, he, he also he recently did this this commercial as Elliot grown up. I don't know if you saw that. I don't think so. No. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think it was a cool ad. But yeah, I think ET showed up oh, again. Oh, because they they did the Home Alone ad with Macaulay Culkin yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Joe Pesci, I think. But anyways, um, Joe Pesci showed up for that. He did. You look it up. Uh, he showed Whoa! up for the, for, the, for the Home Alone thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god. Uh, anyways, I didn't think so. Uh, up to this point, they had, you know, they, they, they'd taken us back to the Overlook in, in the sense that, like, it was flashbacks or, like, what happened right after The Shining. But I did not think that they were going to bring Jack into this, uh, the dad. I, I didn't think at all for, for reasons of, yeah, you can you can recast, you know, maybe Shelley Duvall. You can recast maybe Scatman Carruthers. You cannot recast Jack Nicholson, I don't think. Uh, but they did it anyways, and I, it applaud, anyway. I applaud them for it. But I thought that they were going to be – I didn't think there was going to be a feature into this. I thought he would be, if anything, be like a CG apparition or something or, <laughs> re, or, 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 re, or repurposed footage or something like that. I didn't think he would actually have a speaking role. But since he does, then this this is fine. This works pretty well. 
I thought this scene was pretty well written. It's interesting it how their interactions happen. And there's some really good, you know, Danny's trying to empathize with him, but he's just, you know, there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, oh, and, it's, 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 and it's good. It, it closes that, you know, that chapter on, on Danny's yeah. uh, like alcoholism, alcoholic dad arc. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, the whole time he's trying to, he's trying to get, get him to drink. Yeah. He's like, ah, Dan's like, I don't drink anymore. Sorry. Um, yeah, take your medicine. Take your medicine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he he refers to it as medicine. Like the lines are so good. And then like, yeah, Danny has this great line. Like he says, "A man takes a drink, a drink takes a drink, and then a drink takes a man." And it's yeah. so bad. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, all the stuff is just really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. But then he has a great like line after that. He's just like, "Oh, you know, like yeah, it's medicine. It's like you know, you just you as a man, you just live your life. There's all these mouths you have to feed, and yeah. the the drink it, it takes away the burden for a little bit." So why don't which, you take away your burden? <laughs> which is which is all in the original Shining book. That's character stuff for Jack that we didn't get in the first Shining movie. And I think that's why they, they did that scene. On top of obviously wrapping up Danny's arc uh, with alcoholism and everything. They put that they put that stuff in there because Jack we it would diminish what Kubrick was doing in the first movie if we actually understood the motives for the reason that yes. he's a piece of shit or whatever. So well, finally and, and we get it in this movie. Again, the whole the whole thing I think the main reason why Stephen King doesn't like the the film, The Shining, is that for him, it's a redemption arc of a drunk person who makes a sacrifice. Exactly. That's yeah. the key for him on what The Shining is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Kubrick, it's just like some psychological stuff. You don't know what's going on. It's all a dream. It's all weird. Yeah. It's all ghosts. Who knows? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, for Kubrick, like, you know, why do we love Stanley Kubrick? Like, he's so good at composing like shots and and sequences like he's so good and like you know again like there's so many shots from that film that are just like perfect shots like the shots of the twins Mm -hmm. the shots Mm -hmm. of the blood Mm -hmm. coming at the there's just a bunch of like the shot underneath of him like you know all that stuff (laughs) some of the greatest shots of all time that's what makes him great you know yeah and that's and he fucking hits it every time he 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 knows what he's good at and he hits it yeah is that what stephen king was like no no. So, no. God, you know. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's where the conflict comes in, you know. Yeah. But again, it's 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 uh, classy enough, I think, the way that he's doing this. He's he's sneaking you this medicine of what King wanted all along under the guise of, "Hey, we're doing Stanley Kubrick again." Ah. And then they're uh, right after the bar scene, they end up in the bathroom where cuz he spills a drink on um on yeah. Danny, he, and he then, smacks the drink, and yeah. yeah, and then so he he goes. They they do the bathroom scene again, where you know he's he's uh, cleaning Danny off or whatever. Um, so it's just more visual stuff, and they're slipping in all this character stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so then Rose finally shows up. You know, she's going through the Overlook, and again, she sees the elevators of the blood. She confronts Dan and Abra. There's some more psychic battles. Um, <laughs> Yeah. They, yeah, I mean that's that's what it is, right? Like they go Oh hello there. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why hello there? Uh, nice to finally meet you. <laughs> yeah. Um they're fighting in Dan's mind and you know it's the maze that's that snow maze. So fucking yeah. I mean I knew that was gonna happen. I knew that the second that they opened up the idea of projecting somebody into a different world in somebody else's head, I was like, they're gonna do the hedge maze. Because there's, there's I mean, th- they're not gonna go outside to the hedge maze, but they're gonna he if he's so committed to giving me the fucking elevators with the blood, he's going to give me the hedge maze. And then he does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get the hedge maze. Get it, um, just get she, out of the way. <laughs> yeah. But Rose gets out of it. She, she fights a way out of it. Um, yeah. 
And then we get this really awkward, like, this is the thing that didn't work for me was like when she confronts Danny, when he's like got the ax, I just thought that was, Oh, I, it was, it was hokey as hell. <laughs> it was fucking so hokey. I mean, yeah. I, I, I like, like she offers him the chance to be a vampire too. And he says, no, yeah. I, I, I think that's fine. But the way that they framed it and the way that they blocked it, just it's well, fucking, no, it, but it was, but it like was, it. but it was the shining, because uh, he's he's yeah. walking up the stairs and she she even does the hand gesture. She does yeah, the I like, know. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm yeah, just gonna bash your brains in. Like it, it, she's doing the movements too. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. I mean, obviously that wasn't maybe that wasn't. But it, work didn't, it didn't work. Everybody. It didn't work. You can't map this this dialogue onto yeah. this. That's exactly what they work. did. Yeah, they they copied a texture and they put it over a different thing. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't work. Didn't yeah. didn't work at all. And um, yeah, but then you know she kicks his ass and starts feeding on his steam, and it's like, oh, your steam tastes like whiskey. <laughs> you know, that yeah, was, that was kind of cool. <laughs> uh, but then he unleashes all of the ghosts on her. Uh, he lets all the ghosts out from his head, and that's a that's a movie moment, baby. That's like a that's like a Avengers movie moment of like that's another gotcha. It's just like ah, we've been building up these boxes for three hours. Like here we go. It's also like such a great fan servicey moment too, because it you see all the ghosts and they kill the villain. Dude, I was so stoked to see the fucking butler. Like they did a really good job with the guy who uh, the guy that I, I believe is the guy that Jack talks to at the uh, at the bar in the in the original movie. Uh, the caretaker or whatever, like the, 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 I, I was happy to see him again, basically. So I'm trying to say, yeah, they did a good job with recasting him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all good. And they, you see all the, the twins and all the, all the characters we like, all the ghosts fucking killer straight mm-hmm. up kill Rose, but then they turn on him. Uh, and then they, right. I don't know, they brainwash him or something. Uh, <laughs> that, that part doesn't really totally work for me because like, then he, he turns into his dad. And he gets the axe, and he's oh you know. shit! I forgot about that. Yeah, they like possess yeah. him. Yeah, they yeah they they possess him, and then he's running around like his dad. I forgot dads, about that. That was yeah. that was dumb. Yeah. 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 Uh huh. Yep. And he's like, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, dude. <laughs> no, it is because he's doing. But he's again, he's like doing the Jack Nicholson like limp run with the axe in his hand. It's like totally unnecessary. <laughs> and that, that's where the fan service goes too far, I think. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. wait, I don't need to see that shit. Just Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're going to listen, if you're going to kill Danny, just kill him right there. It's fine. And then, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. Because cause what, what does he do? He just he runs back to Abra and he tells her like – or she like cures room him for a second. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, she fixes him. She, then she, she, go- she proves that like she's more powerful than all of these things and they can't <laughs> affect her or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So Abra fixes Danny but then Danny has to burn down the hotel. He, he sacrifices himself to burn down, the, burn down the hotel. Oh, no. You know why they possessed him and he becomes his dad is because he wanted to put that, that moment in there for Stephen King to be like, look, Jack is burning down the hotel. It's his spirit possessing his son or whatever, you know? That's yeah. probably what it is. Something like that. But, you, I mean, the, this, whole, this whole ending is just serving – this whole ending is serving to give us that, that, that sh- The Shining, the first book moment of someone – doing a sacrifice and destroying the hotel. Yeah. That's what he's trying to do. That's what, that's what uh, Flanagan is trying to create here. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. what we get in the end It's instead of 
Jack doing it, Danny does it. Because in the book, Danny lives, but in this film, Danny dies. Well, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, isn't he still possessed by Jack when he does it at the end, or he's like still fighting it or whatever? It's it's a duality. I think. I think it's both of them in there. I think. Uh, that's probably what he's trying to do is he's trying to yeah. shoehorn in that Jack is somehow in there too, or like his spirit is in there. Yeah, Jack, the Jack spirit also, of Jack sacrificing mm-hmm. himself is, you know, acting. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what he's trying to do here to get the full, so that we, we can have the, that, that, you have know, your cake and eat it too moment kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that you can get that emotional beat of Jack sacrificing himself, but it's done through, through, through Danny. Danny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because because then, you know, so it's interesting that you say that the, he lives in the book. I didn't know that because to me, D- uh, Danny being there for the sacrificial moment, to me, it, it brought up this feeling of like the sins of the father kind of a thing of like he's after all of this growth that he goes through over three hours, he's still enabled to escape it. And I thought that was like contrary to what they were building up. So it's interesting that you bi- you, you bring up that like, if they, you know, if you follow the story ninety percent of the way, but then you change the ending, then like it brings up a little different resolution, and that's why this felt yeah. weird to me. Yeah, well, I mean, I I felt like fr- from the jump for me, I feel like there's a way to do this film without going to the Overlook, and it feels more of an authentic sequel. Yeah. Um. Well, there's but probably this... a way. There's probably a way to do that final sequence in the way that he did the scene where Rose is projecting into Abra's mind, right? With the with the seventies style kind of blocking and effects and stuff, as opposed to going all kinds of Avengers special effects or whatever. <laughs> like there might have been a way to do it without going to the Overlook, like you said. I think. I, I think there. I, I you know I like it. Look, I'm a, I'm a oh, I'm shit. Right? I'm your t- yeah. typical, well, not typical. I'm your atypical fucking film fan. I love this shit. Yeah. Uh, I get the feels from it, from seeing the Overlook, from seeing them recreate scenes, from seeing those ghosts again, fucking kill her. That All that stuff satisfies me. But for me, it really feels like basically there's the, the, the Doctor Sleep story. The Doctor Sleep story ends after they... Uh, kill off all of after they kill off all the true not and danny finds abra then there's like almost like a whole another movie where they decide to go to the overlook that whole thing is like its own mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. film to me it mm-hmm. feels like mm-hmm. um and it's it's a little disjointed but you know i understand because he's trying to there's again there's a metatextual thing here he's yeah. trying to marry yeah, these, yeah. Two, these two yeah. things and, we, and we've create, gone we've absolutely yeah we've gone over that but it's like it still feels hard to to yeah to accept <laughs> yeah that's why for me it doesn't work totally mm-hmm. but there are the, so yeah there there's just i don't know there's just too many moments that just again the mapping doesn't work it doesn't i just stick. i just think that he's he proves early enough that he's strong enough on his own to do this kind of horror that if he were just left to do this story without having to force it and map it over the shining that he could have done just as good a job as he does in the first half of the movie, carrying yeah. it all the, the rest of the way through. I think that's the, the the disconnect and the kind of the the problem there is that like if he if he didn't force himself to do it that way, he could have come up with something original that would have been just as effective as the first half of this movie. It, it's it was never going to be as effective as The Shining, right? Because that's like a moment in time is the reason why that's effective. But he could have done something uh, cool and interesting, you know. And this yeah, is cool I, and interesting too. It, it, yeah, but. there's there's a lot of stuff that I like, but there's a lot of things that just don't totally work. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's how that is resolved. Abra lives, he dies, Abra goes home, and she she sort of talks to Danny as a ghost. Um, and then the last thing we see is Abra sees the woman from room 237 in her bathroom, and she basically takes her out. I hate that shit so much. Yeah. I hate it so much. I hate it with a fiery passion of a thousand soul, uh, sons. I hate when you take something that is somebody else's trauma. In this case, it's somebody it's like a different movie's trauma and then you 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 force it on another character i don't like that at all <laughs> like there's there's yeah. no connection between abra and mrs massey at all and it's just there for the sake of being like yeah look at this new powerful girl i don't even know why it's there to be honest other than maybe to to, to bookend the film because that's how the film starts with danny i guess to to complete yeah, I don't, that I don't transformation i don't, I don't think really that's know. in the theatrical ah okay but yeah, I mean, visually, it bookends the film. Like, visually, it's a callback to something that we saw in the beginning. I get it. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, I just hate that stuff of just, like, let it... The stuff exists in the original work for a reason. Just kind of... You can't just, like, force it into different things. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe there's a reason for it in the book, but it's not It's not explained. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that basically covers it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, overall, what were your, your thoughts? What would be your rating for this one? Can I tell you something? Mm-hmm. Uh, I... I just kind of remembered really the, the another big reason I didn't care to see this movie when it came out other than, you know, Warner brothers came out and they were like, we're doing it. We're doing the sequel to the shining. And I'm like, how fucking dare you? Uh, <laughs> was yeah. that I didn't. So the fan service stuff is still my, it's still my favorite part of this movie. The chapter six is still my favorite chapter in this whole movie. I think what he does throughout, it just builds so well and it's extraordinarily good filmmaking for the level of, film that he's doing because i imagine you know again time and budget and producers and everyone's rushing him and stuff the way that it came out is is superb but i still like the stuff the best at the end because it's just doing kubrick again and i wanted more kubrick it's like 20 percent kubrick 80 percent king uh, this movie yeah. is which is fine but personally i wanted more kubrick but what i really think who i think did it just as good and did it uh, earlier was uh, the sequence in ready player one where they go to the overlook I've ha- I've at that point yeah. like honestly that satisfied me that satisfied me because it I think was, that's the best part of that film basically it is like but it yeah. wasn't mapping it wasn't mapping a new story onto it they were just doing the fan service and they knew it was fan service and it was done in a fun way and this movie is also does kind of the same exact fan service like the twins I believe are in Ready Player One the the elevator blood is in there Danny riding his fucking trike is in there so like <laughs> I had yeah. already seen this be done and redone and done by Steven Spielberg right and so. Like it didn't really have that much of a drawing power. I felt I don't know. I just wanted to say that I felt like Ready Player One did a good job with it too. Uh, maybe it's too much shining at this point. Uh, too much shining worship. But uh, I like this film. I think it's a really, 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 really good film. Fuck. I don't know. Uh, personally, I don't really care for the story that much. But I think it's exceptionally well done. I'd give it like a seven point five. I think. Yeah, I'll give this an eight. I, I liked it from the jump. I'm more I'm into the mm-hmm. world building fantasy crazy Jedi shit. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like I like it a lot. Um and I like that he did it so well in this. He did it yeah. so well. Um there are definitely times when it's done terribly, terribly. Uh this one is by far one of the best depictions of all that stuff Absolutely. in any media. Absolutely. Um and, and it sets a it sets a pretty considering all the fucking wham bam fantastical shit. It sets a very consistent tone uh, where it, it doesn't go too far in one way or the other. Uh, I think that's you know worth lauding. Yeah, for sure. And you know, 
he's having to deal with a lot, right? Like exactly, it's, yeah. it, it's not easy to marry like a film from someone like Kubrick and then the book from Stephen King and then make the book, the, a sequel to a book and a sequel to a film and then resolve all the issues in the two of which there are many. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard. Uh, but yeah, I think he does a good job of, of, of creating something that works for both. Yeah. Which I think, you know, has to be said is like an amazing accomplishment. And as I said earlier in the in the review, um, Stephen King really likes this. And he said that it, it sort of softened him on his feelings on The Shining, the Kubrick version. So mm-hmm. I think that says a lot in terms of how well he adapted this. I think, yeah, I think the main takeaway for this is that regardless of how you feel about the individual parts, this movie is way better than it has any business of being. Because ultimately at like a base level it's it exists you know because it's it's a big budget movie that has to make a certain amount of money and so like it does exist for cynical reasons partly uh so i think it's way better than because if warner brothers really wanted to do this now i know that they mike flanagan's a big reason that they made this movie and his script was good enough but like if they really wanted to make this movie they could have made this movie with someone else or they could have just thrown it out there and shit it out and uh, it would have been terrible. So I think considering what we got, this is like pretty much the best case scenario for this. <laughs> yeah, for for the time, for sure. I can't think yeah. of like another, I mean, unless it was like Fetty Alvarez or someone, sure, some other yeah. person like that, some other really high level horror director. Mm-hmm. There's not many, not, you know, yeah. um, and he's definitely, Flanagan's probably the best, so. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's much better than I ever expected it to be. And, Again, it, like it kept me there for three hours, and I felt like it was solid throughout. It was just like it didn't feel extra or anything. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, I think that's basically our review. Then it's everything we had to cover. I think so. Um, <laughs> I think cool. we covered like pretty much everything. Yeah, everything and all the ancillary stuff too. As yeah, well yeah. As, you know, talking about the the fact that the 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 domestic theatrical stuff is doomed. So. <laughs> and I think it was doomed from the start, honestly. Uh, particularly with a title like Dr. Sleep. I don't know. <laughs> Dr. Sleep is such a bad title because it just doesn't <laughs> tell title. you. It, yeah. It's even bad, I think, internally to the film itself. It's like kind of ancillary. Um, it's yeah. not like Abra called him Doc or some shit, right? <laughs> it just, it's so random. It's so random. Yeah. So fucking random, man. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know. Like, yeah. what, what's what's the universe where this movie comes out and it does, you know, three hundred million dollars? Like, what? It, why? How? How does that? Work? I don't think it, I don't think it needs to make three hundred. Well, well, I mean, no, it well, doesn't need to, but they would if, like it. To. If you're Warner Brothers, when you when you greenlit it, the first film, you probably expected it to make like three hundred, two hundred fifty million. True. And make double that. Yeah. It's an R-rated movie, so you have to think. Okay, if we get if we get even half. Or a third of that, we're sitting pretty because this the the budget for this was like forty million, mm-hmm. which is for the size and for the fucking ambition of this thing is pretty modest. Yeah, it feels very modest considering yeah. that this is a three hour. You're recreating sets. You're recreating sets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this like you said is very ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 it, it does, and it doesn't feel like uh, it doesn't feel like any one part of it doesn't feel particularly weak or like, ah, oh, maybe if they had a little more budget there, like it all feels like very consistent. It does. Yeah. It feels really strong and the writing strong. Um, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. There was this funny, I saw this tweet that, that Flanagan wrote. He said that like he saw it in IMAX when it first came out and particularly he was really happy with how it looked in IMAX, that scene of the astral projection of Rose mm-hmm. and she's like mm-hmm. flying over the sky. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, he said he said it was a really funny contrast, like watching that scene and being so happy with it, and then he's the only guy in the theater and being really sad. <laughs> oh, that breaks my heart. Dude. Yeah, dude. I was like, oh man. Oh no. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I saw this thing in IMAX and I fucking loved it, dude. I was there. I I I totally. Dude, this this film this film was probably one of oh, like Jesus. if you talk about films that surprised me this film really surprised me how much I liked it when I saw Same. it because I just saw it I just saw it on a whim I was like okay I'll see it and I was like dude it's good it's fucking good it's really fun it's really strong like the way he you know like I said all the stuff like he really really sold all these ideas really well all this big Stephen Yo, King universe God, yeah. yeah 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 world building stuff he did it so well but. I don't know. I'm surprised by I was surprised by it too. And I'm generally don't like care for this kind of stuff. Like I really, really like this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. You know, I that that's one to like someone needs to write like a SWAT analysis on like why this thing didn't work. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a My only hope is that and they did they did this a little bit when they put the director's cut on HBO Max and they were like, Yeah, I gotta get the director's cut on HBO Max, even though they put it out on Blu-ray. Um I think this movie the the best hope that I have is that it in it, it endures and it doesn't need to reach the status of the shining, but it needs to be held up as an example of like big budget studio filmmaking done right in the modern exactly. in the modern era. You know, like yeah. I hope that it it gets that kind of buzz around it going forward. Yeah, it should have like kind of a following, like a cultish following. Exactly, um, yeah. Like the first one. Like in mm-hmm. a different way. Yeah. Um but yeah, it should it really should like have a following. I um, think so. I just want to. So there was a couple. This guy left some comments, and so he said, "said it's super underrated." Thought Rebecca, Rebecca Ferguson was really good. She was really good. She was um, because she wasn't like totally over the top, but she created a character. I exactly. Like, she really wanted, created a character. I wanted to mention that like she doesn't really have much of a character. Like she is just like the the big bad witch kind of. Um, like she doesn't have too much like ancillary information. We don't really know anything about her other than she's really strong yeah. and she's really evil. <laughs> so considering that's like what she had to work with, uh, she does a really good job. There's, yeah, some, I, there's some character mm-hmm. scenes with, with what's his face in Pro the trailer. Daddy. Yeah. But like, other than that, I mean, she, she's yeah, a she, witch. She is kind of pure evil. Um, yeah. but not a yeah, I, job. Yeah, I, I, I think I feel like the contrast between her and Crow Daddy is what makes the the, the thing interesting because he's mm-hmm. like the angel mm-hmm. <laughs> on on her and, and she's like the devil, yeah. And he's like always trying to like moderate her like keeping her intensity. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, he's like the speed limiter, and then once he gets removed, she just goes full. She like, goes full. Yeah, yeah. And so then he said the third act felt like studio manipulation. Yeah, I feel, I feel like the mm-hmm. third act. But you were saying that they they rewrote they rewrote it or something that's something that you that they that you no i think no i just i think what i was trying to say is that they rewrote the third act from the book uh they said from it the, the book dr sleep yeah yeah, yeah yeah that's what yeah. totally yeah they did they did change it yeah yeah um yeah i i, I def i don't know i mean i think you're probably right that they they want that stuff because they want to sell the nostalgia in marketing mm. uh, that's a strong thing i mean for me but, that's that's got to be part of the pitch at least yeah, but I'll say this: like, if I like the other side of it is, you could do it without it and then save money, and that's the trade-off, right? Yeah, but it, then they can't they can't say that like, ah, look, we went back to the overlook. Look what we like. But what if you save like ten million dollars in budget because you don't have to recreate all the stuff? Like, I don't know if it was that much, but it was probably a fair amount of stuff yeah, that they. I, could, they, I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know how much this was a studio. It seemed. I really feel like they kind of 
were a little hands off with I what think, they, they uh, let yeah. him do a lot. Honestly, I think so. And I think he wa- he wanted to like though if if that was truly studio manipulation, I feel like those scenes wouldn't have felt as uh, like earnest. Uh, because he takes a long time with Danny waking up the Overlook. And oh, stuff. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The stuff that felt, that, again, the stuff that really didn't work for me is when Rebecca Ferguson gets there and she's seeing all this shit. And that felt a little like, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, maybe that was somebody that at the studio was like, more, more. And I didn't see the elevator yet. More. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. And so Sky says, Dr. Sleep reminded me of Cronenberg's Scanners. I, I, you know, I just saw that. I actually reviewed that with, uh, with someone from, uh, I guess, our podcast network. Um, Scanners, I don't know if you've seen that, but uh, oh. recently. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, dude, yeah, I, scanners, I, I, go like a, I go through like a Cronenberg phase every year. <laughs> yeah, Scanners, um, I saw that for the first time, and it, it feels very like X-Men-y. Yeah, um, it does. And and like the the power because like scanners the power set the scanners have is they can they can use their mind yeah they can do all kinds of stuff they can like like we see scanners go into computers hack a computer with their mind they go into people's mind they make people see other things like the, this woman makes someone see their mother their dead mother mm-hmm. um, so yeah scanners it's it's a similar like psychic ability the ability yeah but i feel like the execution of that film feels is, is, is a little different it feels well more, the budget's so much lower the budget's lower it feels more like a cold war spy thriller i think <laughs> uh more than yeah but i mean valid point i guess yeah it's the same kind of um same kind of powers except you know cronenberg is able cronenberg's gonna cronenberg so he's gonna like blow some shit up and he's gonna make it exactly gross, the, the so. payoff is like i can go into your mind and then make your fucking head explode um exactly. this one is more like i can go i i'm going to eat you right right Right. I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna sniff your soul or whatever. Again, it's it's more fantastic. It's more uh, fairies in the woods versus you know uh, the TV is cancer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Video drum. I for for Cronenberg, his his um his payoff is always some kind of a body horror. Exactly. Right? That's what. Yeah. Exactly. So in 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 the Stephen King universe, it's more like there is this, this, like you said, there's a fairy out there that's going to fucking eat you and kill you. And especially if you're a kid, you are dead. Right. You know, there's going to be some, and and it's always some, you know, again, like it, it is, it is literally an alien from space. That is a Cthulhu ish Cthulhu esque horror. Right. But then it takes the, it takes the, (laughs) it takes the figure of a clown, but it is a Cthulhu esque horror creature of cosmic proportions. Okay. In Cronenberg, it would just be like something you, you see that you see the lights and then your head explodes. Right. Yeah. In (laughs) Cronenberg, it would be, yeah, 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 exactly. Like a fleshy, the balloon is made out of flesh or something. (laughs) (laughs) And it explodes. There's blood. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That would be great. Yeah. (laughs) That would be really good. I'd like, I'd like to see his version of it. So I was doing research and so apparently there, they did a, a Bollywood version of it. Yeah, they did a Bollywood version of it. Did not know that. Yeah, I was looking at some some stills of like the, what the clown looked like. I was like, whoa, it's it's very low budget, but oh okay. okay. Well, because they have like infinite money over there. As far as I'm concerned, Bollywood could just make whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, dude, it feels <laughs> yeah, it feels like they really do have infinite yeah. money. They just make everything. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think we covered everything. Did you have any last thoughts? No, I'm just I'm glad I uh, I'm glad you like dragged me kicking and screaming to to watch this movie because I wasn't gonna because again I, I still had all those reservations and I had all those things in my head I'm like how fucking dare you do The Shining rah but uh, I I had read and I knew up here that 
people uh, were receptive to it. But uh, I just had to watch it, and I'm glad I did. And I'll probably watch it again, honestly, because uh, yeah. I usually I don't do repeat viewings unless it's like you know something like Cronenberg or like The Irishman or like a director that I really like. But I'll probably do repeat viewings of this one because I thought cinematically it's full of so many good ideas of how to get information across visually and stuff like that. I yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of great stuff. I think I've seen it probably like I said, like within when it came out and it was released on VOD. Um, when I bought it on Amazon, I bought it right away, and I think I watched it probably like four or five times mm -hmm. within the first like two weeks. I said I had it. There's something gotta, about the storytelling that really works. Got to get that 4K Blu-ray of it now. I have the director's yeah. cut, but that didn't get put out in 4K. So uh, come on, guys! It never well, does. Good. It never does. HBO Max doesn't even do 4K streaming yet. So <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> okay, so next week, um, so you know it's October. I feel like we should do a bunch of horror films. Yes. Next week, I want us. I want to do Mandy. We got it. We got to oh. review Mandy. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, let's do it. We're going to fucking review Mandy. It's going to be really exciting. That is a crazy movie. Woo! So, okay. So, on on tangentially, Mandy is uh, George Cosmatos' kid made it, right? Uh, I don't, yeah, yeah I guess, sure. yeah. Pretty sure. Pat, Patos Cosmatos is, I think, his name. Patos, yeah. Um, David Cronenberg's kid made a movie uh, yeah. called Possessor, I think. Possessor, and yeah. That, that's, that's getting buzz as like a body horror fucked up. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, kind of a thing. We'll, we, we need do to that find, in the future. We need yeah. to find a way, yeah, to as soon as basically as soon as you find a way for us to see that movie, I want to watch that movie. And I want to talk about it. Okay, cool. Yeah I'll, yeah, I'll make sure that we can we can the movies. Okay, so this was a list of movies like that I thought that we should talk about this this month. So it was Mandy. Um, I think we should. I, I I recently watched this again, and I think we should talk about it. Bram Stoker's Dracula. I think I I really think yes. that we need to talk about that film. It's shot in Romania. It's got Gary Oldman and Anthony Hopkins doing bad Romanian accents. Dude, I love this fucking movie. <laughs> I think we should talk about though, because I think we're both like it. And I, I watched it again recently and like I liked it on a different level. Like I was like, okay, this is like this is like the fifth best film he's ever made. Like yeah. that's how I felt. Absolutely, absolutely. Like I definitively. So and yeah. I was it was almost like I, I feel like this is close to my top 10 favorite horror films. Like that's how much I really liked the film watching it again. I, I haven't seen it in many years, but uh, I'm looking forward to digging into yeah, it. Yeah. I, I was like surprised by how much I liked all the things he was doing. And I thought they were really, really brilliant. Listen, Francis, really brilliant. Coppola, he made a lot of stinkers, but he is, there's a reason that he is who he is. He's a really smart guy. When you give him the right stuff, he's, when he's really good, he's, smart. When he's yeah. good, he's fucking good. He's yeah. fucking good. And I think, and I really think that, um, Gary Oldman gives maybe the best Dracula ever. Like, mm -hmm. like one of the most interesting Draculas ever. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's a lot to talk about with that film. Uh, mm -hmm. And the fourth film was Apostle, I think. I've heard of this. I have not yeah. seen this. So it was the guy who did the Raid and the Raid Redemption. Okay. Uh, he did Gareth a movie. Edwards is that his name? Yeah. Gareth Edwards. I liked it a lot. But yeah, we can maybe also do uh, Possessor. So yeah, I, we can. I, I would like to if we if we can see it. I don't know what they're because they're releasing it in like a weird way because they don't oh, know shit. how to release it. Uh, it's not out yet. It's not on VOD or anything. But uh, if we can figure that out, that I, I would. That's my one wish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's see if we can we can talk to some people and get us. Yeah, but there you go. Yeah, abilities. talk to yeah. our Hollywood connections that we yeah. totally have. Yeah, mm -hmm. wink, wink, nod, nod, yeah. nudge, yeah. nudge. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. So that's that's uh, that's where we're gonna be doing in October. Yeah, spooky. Talk about, yeah, talk about some horror films. Some some I good mean, ones. 
spooky yeah i mean i don't know fucking mandy is a, is a whole whole mandy is a thing. whole other something else yeah mandy is wow mandy we'll talk about it. oh my god yeah but what a movie what yeah, a movie yeah, yeah. what Big a fan. fucking movie wow that, uh, okay yeah all, all right. right cool thanks a lot guys and uh yeah we'll see you next week take care see you peace